Hello and welcome to this review of WrestleMania 10, originally posted by us last year and now reposted here so that it falls between WrestleMania 9 and WrestleMania 11 in our overall WrestleMania series. I just like to give these episodes a bit of preamble just to set up that concept that we have recorded some WrestleManias in the past and so I'm just sort of slipping them into the overall schedule of WrestleManias as we go through them. After this point, there won't be another one of these for a little bit of time because the next one we have done is WrestleMania 19. So we've got a, a good fortnightly schedule coming up for a little bit of time. Also, this kind of represents the quarter way stage in our WrestleMania journey because even though currently there have only been 38 WrestleManias as this reposted episode goes out, by the time we get to those later WrestleManias, I think we'll have had WrestleMania 39 and 40. So there's a long way to go on our journey yet, but this kind of represents the quarter way stage in the series. That's enough from me for now. I will hand over to us from about nine, ten months ago. Uh, enjoy and uh, we'll catch you next week. Then you get a highlights video of FanFest. Which looked great. <laughs> Don't forget, oh man, we've been to one. Yeah. <laughs> They're not that great. <laughs> no, but this looked better than the ones that we've been on. So you couldn't call your own match in the ones we've been to. Well, you could actually. And me and Tom tried to do it. But what happened is that we got to the front of the queue, we started it, and then accidentally one of us pressed the button on the keyboard. It stopped the whole thing. The person came over and motioned us away. <laughs> So you broke it, is what you're trying well, to I say. Well, I genuinely, I was saying to them, look, no, we haven't finished. Like, we've literally done it a minute. And, like, I, we accidentally pressed the button and, and now it's stopped. And they were like, no, no, move on. Off you go. Veg you go. <laughs> so that genuinely did happen to me and Tom. But it was crap. It, it was crap. And this looked less good because it wasn't, it looked even more amateur, I thought, than the yes. one we went to. The one we went to, it looks quite, it looks quite kind of professional these days. I think that's why I found it endearing. Yeah, fair enough. And it's like the Hasbro stand. Yeah, and have, have your picture taken with the smoking guns. How exciting. Oh, brilliant. Do you reckon, mate, if 
everyone who's had the honour of being on this podcast, so Tinky, Matt, Tommy, me, James and Stephen, one of us was in a picture with the two smoking guns. I reckon all of us would be the best workers in that picture. (laughs) (laughs) Have that. Have that gun. Smoking guns. made it once again to wrestlemania season on the random wrestling review over the next three weeks we'll be bringing you a wrestlemania review each time beginning today with wrestlemania 10 joining me this week to take an in-depth look into one of the first wrestling shows i ever watched is old man sam carey hello um could i be referred to as the granddaddy of them all <laughs> during wrestlemania season please you're old enough so why not the granddaddy <laughs> yes. of them all. and also we have matt roberts even gentlemen and also at least for a little while, we are joined by Tom Smith as well. Hey, how's it going, lads? Thank you for letting me be in. It's the same orgy as there is ordinarily, but it's just another dick. <laughs> <laughs> we do indeed have a Fatal 4-Way match going on today. Now, it falls to me at this time, first of all, Matt, to check that you have watched the right show after last week's debacle where Tom failed to watch ECW Living Dangerously 2000 as was planned. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that I watched the wrong show then. I was like, no, I definitely watched the right one. I'm good. WrestleMania 10. Yes. Let's go. Let's do it. And Tom, I'm assuming you've watched the right show. Well, I've watched the bit that I need to watch. The ladder match, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, we've recently had a spike in listeners, and it'd be great if you could add your ratings and reviews to the various platforms that you listen to this podcast on. That would be much appreciated. I noticed the other day that you can provide a star rating on Spotify these days. So if you wouldn't mind, a little five stars in the Tokyo Doom would be fantastic. Can we call it a Dudley of listeners in the future? A, a Dudley of listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the collective noun for our listeners, is a Dudley. Yes. No, I was thinking you said a spike of listeners. I was trying to bring it back oh. to Spike Dudley. I like the idea of that being a collective noun, though. A Dudley mm. of listeners. Mm. Yeah, that is good. Uh, listeners to this podcast, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and also to us, all of our listeners will be related, much like the Dudley family, but in actuality, none of them. Well, some of them might be related. Ah, bollocks. I've, 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 I've just I've, I've thought about it too much. There, there didn't appear to be any thought whatsoever going into that, so that is absolutely amazing. I, I think basically I've just had a fit, lads. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, WrestleMania 10 today. But before we go to WrestleMania 10, we've got a little topic I want to talk about. I think we have slightly mentioned this before, but I want to get your thoughts one more time. And also, I think it'd be interesting because we've got Matt and he's going to WrestleMania this year. WrestleMania over two nights, yay or nay? Let's start with you, Matt, because this might be coloured by the fact that you are going to see it this year. That's a good point. Do you know what? I'm kind of leading towards nay to be honest. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm going, so whatever. I, I'm go- I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it either way. But it's just, it's got to the stage where year after year after year, the problem seems to be that the matches and the show overall has just become so long. Ooh, let's try this new idea of, you know, chopping it in half and having over two nights. I don't see that as having to be the solution. Just don't book every single person in the company on the card there just needs to be that little bit of restraint, which there's not. I feel they've done the best that they can with it. So, 
in theory, it can work, but I, I would rather it be one night, personally. One night of maybe four hours rather than two nights, four hours a night. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some matches on there, you know, that are starting to be announced now. That, that when you think WrestleMania, biggest show of the year, you just think some of these matches have no business being on this show at all. Well, I'm not actually in that last little bit. It's taking the words right out of my mouth. Let's think about it from a business point of view. They reckon they're going to sell upwards of 120,000 tickets, possibly even 160,000 tickets over the two nights. That's a lot of money. Like, that's a lot of money they're making. But from a wrestling viewer's point of view, I'm with Matt 100% in that this obviously happened when they started lengthening the cards anyway. But the amount of people, well, not the amount of people, that's not fair, the amount of matches that shouldn't be on WrestleMania's, and Lord knows we'll cover a couple of them on this one in WrestleMania 10. So we do kind of need to be a bit careful with where we tread. But it just seems excessive, doesn't it? Like when you're, I remember when it was WrestleMania 31, I think, possibly. I watched it with some other friends I've got. Well, one other friend in some cunts that he knew, he knows. <laughs> and uh, it was from the time that the pre-show had started to when the main event finished was seven hours mm. pretty much bang on and i remember saying to me mate i was like i was going to work the next day and i was like i'm gonna work as long as that wrestlemania was tomorrow <laughs> and i was that's too long you were um that would have been wrestlemania 32 i think because 31 Possibly. you were with tom i know this because i wasn't with you both but that's, i know yes. that you two were together so it would have yeah. been 32 i assume tom it depends what our kind of definition is. I think I would watch, I'd rather it was two nights. So last year's WrestleMania, for example, uh, night one was three hours and 37 minutes. Night two was three hours and 18 minutes to old man's point. I'd rather two, two nights of shorter pay-per-views rather than WrestleMania 35, which was the last one, um, which was five hours and 24 minutes oh, in one go. I'd rather two nights of shorter events rather than, and a long ass event in that that one night. Are those the only two options available to you? Well, if they are, then that's it. I'd rather have <laughs> a nice two hours and forty three minutes of uh, of WrestleMania three style action, if I'm being honest. But if if I, that option's not available to me, then I'll take the uh, I'll take the the two nights. So WrestleMania ten as well is uh, just under three hours too. So it's a similar thing that we're about to watch, or we we have watched and we're about to talk about. I don't like this whole. There seems to be a trend towards multi nights. So Wrestle Kingdom started doing it three four years ago, and I never liked the idea of that either. Now a lot of the matches on the second night are reliant on the results of the matches of the first night as well for that. So again, it kind of adds another layer of. I don't know. I don't know if I like that because it just feels like you haven't got any time to build it up. Basically, mm. you don't know what the match is going to be until the, the night before. Saying that, I got a feeling WWE might do something like that this year because they've got both the women's title matches on the first night. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's something that then happens to create some kind of unification match on the second night. And that I kind of was combining that with something else that I heard, which was, I think, possibly from the Wrestling Observer, that the USA Network want a title on both Raw and SmackDown. And there were sort of questions about oh, how they're going to do that if they you combine the two titles. But of course, they've got the men's and the women's titles. So there's no reason why you couldn't make one show the showcase for one title and the other show the showcase for the other. So that that for me would still make sense. And given the, the lack of depth that they've got in 
I would say both both sides of the rosters at this point in time, that wouldn't be a bad way of kind of combining all the best men wrestlers and all the best women wrestlers in the same place. But if you ask me two nights, I would I would always go with just one. I just think it's better. I think you to be honest, I'm in contradiction to you, I would probably prefer it if you had to choose between two nights or one longer night, I'd rather the longer one, because I just I just think it feels more more of a thing. I think over two nights is a bit overkill. I also wonder, oh man, you talked about the money situation mm-hmm. about money wwe might make but there's got to be a consideration about longer term whether it's sustainable to keep making that money if you get to a point in two three years where we've had this two nights every time and you start to see that the first night perhaps is not as big as the second night you're going to start getting people not you know missing the first night and then just going to the second one those kinds of things i think also should be considered and there is a long-term damage you can do to your product when you're just constantly layering on more and more hours of of content um i noticed this year that wrestle kingdom was three nights yeah it was yeah that's foul (laughs) (laughs) one of those nights i think is just a replacement for i can't remember the name of it but they used to have a show that was the day after wrestle kingdom so i think they've just replaced that but yes it was three nights this week this year the attendance of night one was 12,047 then night two was 6,379 and then night three was 7,077 so mm. it's like the main the first night was the night and then the other two mm. nights were maybe we'll get get true penny he listens maybe he can fill us <laughs> in on what, what the deal was there i'm sure he will um, it's worth saying as well that I think the first show still landed on January the 4th, which is the day, the, the date which that show always happens. And that was a Tuesday this year. So they, they're kind of a bit, they buggered themselves a little bit because there's three weekday nights. Well, no, they did the third one on the 8th. Oh, did they? Oh, well, there you go then. So what, what, I don't know what I'm talking about, as you can tell. <laughs> no one does. It's fine. No, they're having it over two nights. And I think we found it last year. So you had Bianca Bella, Sasha Banks in a fantastic main event on the first night. And that was kind of forgotten i think by the end of the well, by midway through the second night i think and also the main event and i think this is the nature of having a lot of wrestling as well but like even the triple threat main event the lads that was kind of forgotten as well it's just it's too much it's all saturated so nothing means anything i think but that's also the nature of the fast-paced uh fast-paced what are we in environment yeah why not let's go with environment the fast-paced environment they're in where they've then got raw and mm. they've then got nxt 2.0 and they've got smackdown and then they'll probably have another pay-per-view like three four weeks after the, i tell you what the, the fact that they're doing a takeover show on the afternoon of wrestlemania is i don't know if you guys yeah literally they're doing it at like 11 it's either 11 or 12 o'clock there's going to be a takeover so they expect people to go to this show and then go to WrestleMania night one straight after. Get out of it. It's not happening. I can tell you now, I'm not doing that. There's no way in hell I'm doing that. You'd be absolutely exhausted by the end of the night one of WrestleMania. The crowd will be dead exactly. if, if everyone does that. Where is this NXT takeover? Are they doing that at the stadium as well? I can't remember where they're doing it, but but I, I know I've definitely heard it's going to be like an afternoon show. It's probably going to be close. So they're expecting it to go there and then straight to Mania night one. It's just insane. It, it, there's no way. And the Hall of Fame's on the Friday night, I assume. The Hall of yeah, because they're doing it directly after SmackDown. <laughs> so it's SmackDown, then the Hall of Fame yeah. Friday night, then NXT Takeover Saturday morning or afternoon, then WrestleMania Night One, then WrestleMania Night Two, then Raw on the Monday. Fuck it out. I'm tempted to bulk it already. And just, <laughs> oh, forget it. Ah, never again. I just checked the NXT uh, card is taking place in Glasgow, so you got to make it back from Glasgow to over to uh, over to Dallas to get there. It's he's what? Very, he's being silly and he's being naughty. <laughs> that'd, be inter- that'd be interesting but like I, I don't even, i don't even know like i, I you know 
know, I've definitely got tickets for Mania, but I, I don't know what the hell else I'm doing yet, to be honest. You know, me, me and Kieran haven't decided because there's just there's so much going on. We, we just don't know what to do yet. That's kind of the mystifying thing as well, isn't it? Because when, um, when you were talking about this, um, well, it must have been a month ago now, Matt, like yeah. you were talking about all the other shows that are there. And obviously, suddenly, with what happened in AEW the week before we're recording, when they announced that, when Tony Khan announced they bought Ring of Honor, suddenly that Ring of Honor show becomes like, oh, hello. Like, uh, Tommy and I were talking about this away from the pod. Tommy was saying, like, suddenly you've got AEW guys going in there to pop a little ticket sale and possibly yeah. a hemorrhoid for the crowd. <laughs> so, yeah. I was really hoping to go to the Ring of Honor show, but I think it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite far away from where we are. So yeah. we're going to try, but yeah, I think it's awkward to get to, so that might be a no, which I am disappointed about, to be honest, but we'll see. I think, um, I don't know, I don't know your financial situation or anything, you should go, because I think it will be worth, it'll be worth your time, I think. I would 100% go if I was in Dallas, which I don't think I'm going to be. <laughs> every chance, you never know, there's every chance. Right, that's it, like, things can change, can't they? Suddenly, we're doing a live record from the, whatever stadium it is, in front of a <laughs> 173,000 people over two nights. It's not, it's not enough space, mate. It's not. No, it's not, is it? No. no. Definitely not. <laughs> so, WrestleMania 10. Let's start talking about the show we are here to talk about today, shall we? And our expectations. What I will do, Tom, is I'm going to miss you out, if that's all right, as you're not actually going to be with us for the whole event. Uh, Matt, why don't we start with your expectations? When I looked up and down the card, I was like, hmm, okay, that, there, there's some interesting stuff on there. But for me, probably the, the biggest expectation was the the opener in the spirit of I remember when we last talked about the um one of the fantastic one of the more fantastic opening matches in pay-per-view history when we talked about the uh Jushin Liger Brian Pillman match before the the Owen and Brett match I was massively looking forward to um because I know that's been celebrated as one of the great openers of all time and it may or may not have disappointed I'll go into that in a bit more detail in a bit but that was certainly something I was massively massively looking forward to okay interesting oh, uh, old man he's uh, left a hell of a tease there isn't he <laughs> yeah not entirely sure I'm comfortable with but we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it so my so I, I watched this oh, I don't know three four years ago I knew I was getting some wonderful bookends but I wasn't sure if I'd been to a charity shop and bought some duff books to fill the middle that was what <laughs> I was a bit worried about like I might have had a Lady Chatterley's Lover in there I don't, I don't really want that or maybe a Mills and Boone which I'd taken from me nan's bookcase but the bookends I was full masked for so I don't really have expectations for the show because I know it so well that they're not expectations I just know <laughs> I just know what this show is as I said this is one of the first shows I've ever watched I had it on VHS I must have watched it at least 25 times if not more most of those were admittedly quite some time ago um, but I have watched it in the last 10 years at least once or twice so i am pretty clear about what i'm gonna get i know that this show is really about two matches i know that this show isn't exactly celebrated because the rest of it isn't at that same level but i think that there's in the middle of this there are there is better than i think some people give it credit for that's kind of where i was feeling going into this but i did watch it again because you know as we said before i am a professional couldn't do the show without <laughs> actually watching it again so uh yeah those not really my expectations but just what i know i'm going to get 
So talking points. And I will start because this is why Tom has decided to join us for the first 10, 20 minutes, half an hour of this show, which is to talk about the opening match, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. I'm not going to make any comment for now. I'm going to wait and let you all talk about first. And why don't we start with you, Tom, seeing as this is why you're here. I don't know if anything that I say can do this match justice other than say to say it is absolute perfection not only from the in-ring action but from the storyline of the book and going into it interestingly enough the storyline was originally pitched by bruce hart and it was supposed to be him versus brett imagine the shit house we would have got if that was the case a big fucking bruce hart and the stupid aviators came down that would have been infuriating this match is perfect everything about this match and when i say that i mean everything from the commentary to earl hebner as the referee to it being in the garden to the crowd reaction everything about this match is 1000 percent perfect it's a technical masterclass from both wrestlers there's not one single error in the entire match every move is perfect there's some there's some moments in it i could spend about three hours talking about owen hart's german suplex in this oh. match because it is the best German suplex you will ever see and I, I specifically wanted to mention that because I for wrestling perverts out there like us a German <laughs> suplex with a good bridge or any kind of suplex with a good bridge is one of the most satisfying things to, to see in wrestling and you guys touched on it last week discussing Jushin Liger versus uh, Brian Pillman and old man mentioned it and I just heard you in the background Matt go oh yes <laughs> <laughs> which I was a big fan of because you can't help it and Tinky and old man did it just then when I mentioned it yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> There's a pile driver from Bret Hart, which is absolute perfection. The suplex off the top rope from Bret to Owen is is magnificent. The the way that the the match starts with Bret like out wrestling Owen Hart, and then Owen Hart becoming the real aggressor and, and realizing that he's got a chance to win the match after he like noticed Bret Hart's injured his leg and through the, when he does the when he does the dive the, or the kind of the slingshot over the top rope and the kind of the switch in the match, the aggression which Owen Hart has. It's just everything about it. Is absolutely wonderful. Best match ever, I'm saying. I'm putting wow. it out there. There you go. Love and that's why Tom has wanted to be on the podcast because he wanted to mm. wanted to put that out there. The the main reason as well is that next week we're gonna be talking about another match involving Brahma. And I can't and I can't have us talking about that without me having at least a mention of this match. So I needed to I needed to be here for this. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. And you've already given away what that episode's gonna be on last week's yeah. episode. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> most people will know already what we're talking about there. Why don't we go to you next, Matt? Wow, what a what a love letter to, to the opener that was. I I don't think I'm going to be able to follow that. Um, th- This was interesting for me because, as some of you may or may not know, I haven't seen an awful lot of Bret Hart or Owen Hart matches. To the point of I've had many people many times uh, give me recommendations on Twitter of, of, you know, different Hart matches to watch. And do you know what? After finally seeing this one, I sort of went at the end of it, huh, this is what everybody's been talking about. Okay. And they're absolutely right. They, this was pretty fucking brilliant. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. I mean, after all the years I've heard people bang on about how great these guys are, I, I almost resisted it just out of just being an ignorant idiot for, for a long period of time. But good God, this was great. I mean, Brett is awesome. Oh, oh, this was some of the first stuff of Owen I've ever seen. Owen was awesome. 
the stuff they did in there, you know, was so technical, so crisp. You you, you can't fault it. it. It really does rank up there as one of the best openers. I, I didn't know the match result in advance, believe it or not. So I was actually a little bit surprised. And then I kind of remembered what happened throughout the show afterwards. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but at first I was like, oh, I was a little bit taken aback. But opening match quality, absolutely. One of the best there's ever been. I can't tell you how much I envy you getting to watch this for the first time and not knowing the finish. Because every time I watch this, don't know how, I forget the finish. I think it's because I just get so invested in it. And like kind of touching on what Tommy said about how the like role sheet, there's the thing where like Bret Hart is, and it's not acknowledged by the commentators, but Bret Hart is only doing wrestling moves. And then Owen slaps him and he slaps him back. And fucking hell, does he slap him as well? And that's when it kind of all flips. It doesn't go up a gear because it can't go up a gear. But it just changes the whole dynamic of the match. And it's just fucking amazing. I have one, there's one bum note. Why is Bret Hart come out wearing that little pervert jacket? Because <laughs> it's all long and flappy. And I was like, Bret! Bret! <laughs> go get him, champ. Yeah. But not in that You're right there. You're right there. It's the second worst coat he's ever worn. The (laughs) other one is the pink one. The pink kind of. Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to say it's the. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it's the felt one. He's got that kind of felty one, doesn't he? No, because that's that's the weird. That that's more of a heart foundation thing, and they both Uh, wear them with like berries. Um, but the um, the but the the one that I'm to talk about is it's like a pleather a pink like fake leather plastic coat and I think he wears it it might be at something like SummerSlam '92 I can't remember but it is disgusting it's horrible and this is the second worst one at least it's black we got that yeah so I'm not going to take everything because we need to leave some meat on the bone for Tinker well mind you there's enough meat to go around but uh, I just want to give the last little nod I want to give is to Earl Hebner for the count. The count is so perfect because it's so exaggerated because they know what this is going to do to the crowd and everyone watching. So he's so he winds his arm extra high, <laughs> hits the mat extra hard for that three. And everyone's like, oh, shit on it. It's not Brett's night. Lex Luger's going to be champ. Oh, no. Oh, oh, I sorry. A quick note. The ring announcer's mullet is fucking amazing as well. <laughs> no idea who it is, but my God, it's beautiful. Bill Dunn, I think it is. That is actually the one thing The one thing that is missing from this is the thing. That's the one thing missing from it. I don't know. Who, is he Is he actually a ring announcer or is he a celebrity they've got? In? He's not a celebrity, I don't think. But he's. I, I don't think I've ever seen him on any of the show, which is really weird. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm just very familiar with him because he's the announcer for this match and two matches later on in the show so it's all a bit odd but i don't know and he doesn't even have a wikipedia page no exactly no (laughs) i want to start where you start where you were talking about there at the end with earl hebner because not just that one count at the end it's every count in this match he is smashing his hand as hard as he possibly can i'm so familiar with this this show that even the sound of earl hebner's hitting the mat sticks with me just stays with me it just is so familiar to me it's really odd there's something they must have miked that ring in a specific way for this night because it just it feels like it stands out more than i've ever felt it stand out in a wrestling show during during this one and he's just phenomenal all the way through 
Scar Hebner is just absolutely phenomenal. But of course, he's got nothing on the two men in the ring. And all of my notes, the word that I use the most is the word perfect, because it's just perfect. It is just perfect. I watched it this time because, as most people know by now, I should imagine, this is my favourite match of all time. So this is this is going to be very difficult for me to watch and for to hear Matt say it was all right, bit overrated. But thankfully, didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, Matt. There was a chat last week that was a genuine concern. <laughs> Going into this. Well, yeah, it's like if he says his crap, then he's off the show. Um, <laughs> I watched this time with a view to finding problems with it because I wanted to see. I wanted to test it. Out. I was like, you know what? I've 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 bathed in the glory of this match for too long. Let me see if I can find anything wrong with it. And I found one issue, and it's not the it's not his uh, jacket. It's one very very small issue, and it's the timing on the low blow that Owen Hart does because Earl Hebner is slightly out of position doesn't quite make it to the point where he's next to Brett and Owen and therefore can't see the low blow they they get away with it you could, you could easily get away with it and I am absolutely nitpicking the hell out of it because that's the only thing I could find it was literally the only thing that I could find in the whole match the story is phenomenal as you've all touched upon the fact that it gets more personal because Brett's trying to wrestle it to start with. They build the idea really well, even in the commentary about how Brett is kind of potentially underestimating his brother in this match because they want to protect him, but not too much. So they're kind of giving him an out, but not too much of an out. The victory for Owen is tremendous because of what comes later on and just instantly feeds into what comes next in the WWF storyline. The way he wins, it means that Brett's got another out because it's not like he's been decisively beaten. He's just been, he just made a mistake, ultimately. Brett's just made a mistake in the final moments of the match. And it builds in really well to what fans will have seen at the, in the final of the King of the Ring the previous year, where Brett wins the King of the Ring with this very move. He beats Bam Bam Bigelow with the victory roll. So people at the time would have been perfectly excite, excited and on the kind of cusp of thinking, oh, Brett's going to win this now because he's going to do the victory roll and then Owen to step into it. It's just perfect. Everything about it's perfect. Perfect. All the moves you said are perfect. And the most perfect move of the whole night, which none of you have mentioned, is the bulldog. Never seen a bulldog as good as this. It's the best bulldog you'll ever, ever, ever see. No one will ever do a bulldog this good. It's just wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. Just thinking that. <laughs> it is magic. When's the last time you've seen somebody actually execute a bulldog in a match? As soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, I haven't seen that in forever. It's just absolutely like amazing. I don't know. What, I, there's not a lot I can say about it other than to say it's just the best match ever. I agree with Tom. It is the best match ever. In my mind, there are more flashy matches. OK, there are longer matches. There are more important matches. There are matches in front of bigger crowds that have drawn bigger attendances and bigger pay-per-view buy rates. There are matches involving bigger stars. There are all kinds of things that you could argue are better than this. But in my mind, this is phenomenal. And they don't even do anything like in terms of they don't do any like moonsaults. They don't do any moves you've not seen quite regularly. There's a pile driver, a German suplex, a bulldog, you know, figure four leg lock, a couple of sharpshooters, a couple of inseguris. They're not underselling any moves. It's not like you might get a match now from any company where they have to hit seven or eight different types of finisher to build the drama. They just get the drama out of moves that they use every day. And it's just magnificent the other thing that i so my thing has always been there's always been so close between austin and brett at wrestlemania 13 and this match as my favorite match of all time and i was thinking about it after i watched this match earlier today 
And I thought to myself, what is it about this match that is completely different to every other match? Is that it's just pure wrestling. There's no shenanigans going on side. Both of them, even Owen Hart, does the match within the rules, with the exception of the low blow. Everything is done within the rules. There's not a moment where Owen Hart goes to grab a chair or a ring bell. It's pure. That's what I think about the match. It's it's entirely pure. It's wrestling as it should be. It doesn't need to be anything. It doesn't need any high spots. It doesn't need these, you know, like you said, Tinky, a moonsault or a splash or anything it doesn't need anybody coming into the outside Bret Hart takes the pin clean you can kind of say oh he's outsmarted or he made a mistake that that led Owen to win there's no way for it to basically be anything other than it is which is a perfectly clean finish and what I love about the end of the match after the match when they do the post-match which I wouldn't mind including as part of this with the exception of Owen Hart's horrible little bit of spittle which is dried in the corner of his mouth which is so horrible just wipe your mouth just wipe your mouth please this kills me every time I see it it's so distracting and he does balls up the interview a little bit a couple of times he says when I'm going to beat you at Wrestlemania I just beat you at WrestleMania and then he looks devastated with himself. <laughs> poor guy. But he he acknowledges he's there's a bit where he says, I beat you, I beat you, and I'm not taking it away from anything away from you. You're a great wrestler, but I've beat you. And it's just a, it's just a perfect postscript to the to the match as well. I I absolutely adore this match. Wonderful. And we got past that. We're coming in early, but I don't want Tommy to miss this. This week's Tyron Faxton of the Week. The 27th of February in the year 2022 of our Lord. Old man sits down and he realises it's all been for nothing. All this thought, what I was going through, all the hard times that I've been through. Only to realise that Bret Hart's the best ever. Tyron Faxton of the week. Ever. (laughs) When we've watched these shows, kind of danced around, but he's too good like Tinky we were talking about it's the first time we covered Bret Hart can't remember the show but Tinky said his offence is so amazing and I was watching this match he hits a running clothesline on Owen at some point in this match that is so much better than anyone else could even dream of doing because he obviously he'd come off his feet he'd go ass first and it's fucking beautiful he's so good it was actually this time last year wrestlemania 7 i made that point ah yeah it's a weird thing i we'll get to this when we get to the whenever we talk about the main event like i'm bordering emotional watching the end of that main event because i was like in one of these weird moments i'm an i am an enormous david bowie fan and when he died i suddenly had an appreciation that i was like alive and able to listen to all of his music and that's what i felt when Mm. i was watching that in just a little moment where i was like i got to see this fucking cunt when i was growing up and i was watching wrestling and matt's got to watch it for the first time yeah. And then I thought, well, he's the lucky one. <laughs> Who's lucky? Just you I, wait till what, what, I, what I say about the main event. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited, I had to claw hammer both my bollocks off. <laughs> well, I am going to remove the gaff tape. I think I better go. I think I may have outstayed my welcome now. And I can't talk about the main event because I will probably have a little cry about it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to go. Cry! <laughs> <laughs> um, so whilst the go- whilst the going's good, I'm off to have a wank. See you boys later. <laughs> and Matt's gone for the cover. One, two, three. Oh, Tom dies. Kicked out just too late. And Tommy's out of the fatal four-way. But what a valiant effort. What exactly. man. Stubs his toe going out of the ring. Falls <laughs> down. Shits himself on the way out. <laughs> Thank you for letting me interlope. See you later, boys. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.
there's actually one more thing I want to say about this match. So Tom will, oh, no. <laughs> hear, it. Tom will hear it when he hears it. But it's actually quite good that he's not here because this was more about what we talked about, the three of us, two weeks ago. We were talking a lot about matches where it doesn't feel like somebody's trying to win the match. There's no point you can level out of this match. This match is two people absolutely constantly trying to win the match, constantly trying to pin the other, constantly trying to get submission. It's just perfect. It feels real because they are trying to win the entire way through. So I just wanted to add that one last bit. That's such, because that was what I noticed is like, because early on in like the first couple of minutes, there are multiple pin attempts. Mm. And I knew how fucking good this match was. I'll be honest, even I've forgotten just how good it was. But to keep that up, when you're constantly trying to win, it's kind of like the complete opposite of the criticism that I in particular had at Super Brawl 2, where people weren't. To keep that going for 20 minutes and 21 seconds and still get that drama. And I think that kind of plays into the finish and why it kind of sucks the life out of the building is because there's been so many near falls, you think that he's going to kick out. And also, I don't think anyone wanted it to end. I tell you, as far as an introduction to, you know, to, to Brett and Owen matches go, this this was a pretty good one. Yeah. Well, well, unfortunately for you, it doesn't get any better. This is, this is <laughs> the pinnacle, as we've just well, said. Well, cool with that then. <laughs> Obviously, we've talked about our wrestling histories in the past. So, Matt, your first show was WrestleMania 17. So your first match would have been Jericho and Regal. And from my memory, Tinky, this was your first match you ever watched. Well, yeah, I mean, I like to tell that story. I'm not sure it's entirely true because I don't know. The point is, I don't know what the first match mm. I ever watched was. It's either the first show I ever watched was either this, SummerSlam 94 or Royal Rumble 94. So it'd be one of those three shows. I don't know. My instinct is that it was Rumble 94 because I would have borrowed it from someone that I knew had VHS yeah. videos. But I don't know. And basically, it just feels like the right thing to say. The first match mm. I ever watched was this one because it's also the best match I've ever seen. Yeah. You can't get any better than this. So I think we have spent a long time there licking the arseholes of Owen Hart and Bret Hart for their yeah. opener this this show so let's go on to the next talking point old man what what did you want to pull out not that you, you could top what I pulled out but there we go <laughs> you know what I'm going to pull out because there's a few of them I kind of like I obviously knew you were going to run with that thing. I'm going to pull out the Wrestlemania moments hmm. So here we go. So what they do is they, uh, in between every match, they have a little WrestleMania moment. Lovely. So there's nine of them, obviously, because there's uh, nine WrestleManias. Although I oddly didn't write down the first one, but don't mind. The first one happens before the show, and it's basically Andre slamming Big John Studd, Muhammad Ali, yes. Billy Martin, and Hogan and Mr. T. Yeah. So I'm going to run through them in order so you boys can extrapolate what you wish. WrestleMania 2. The WrestleMania 2 moment. Terrible WrestleMania. Probably the worst ever. Their WrestleMania moment is the Battle Royal. Nothing about the Battle Royal, just Vince McMahon, or um, it might be Gorilla, who's doing the voiceover, just says, ah, Battle Royal, that was basically it. Yeah, it's Gorilla Gorilla Monsoon doing the voiceover, and it's uh, they do show a clip of Ray Charles. They do, yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 3, obviously, is Andre getting body slammed and Hogan winning. Fantastic. Just a moment that will live forever. WrestleMania 4, Savage wins the title. We're away here. We're having a good time. WrestleMania 5, it was uh, Roddy Piper, that guy, and Brother Love in a segment that goes about 20 minutes, I think, (laughs) and is painful. So that was their highlight for WrestleMania 5. WrestleMania 6, obviously, you've got Hogan, uh, Hogan being very, uh, very charitable and giving the title to Warrior for a little bit just so we could take it back. WrestleMania 7, which we covered. Now, admittedly, they couldn't really cover the main event here because I think it was at this time it was looked upon a bit 
Shade League, so it was the uh, Sergeant Slaughter Hulk Hogan main event. But this is the blindfold match they went for. Yep. WrestleMania 8, The Undertaker walking. <laughs> yes. The appearance of The Undertaker. Yeah. It wasn't even his first one. WrestleMania 7 was his first no. one. So, oh, crazy. Absolutely nuts. And then obviously WrestleMania 9 is. I think what you've got here is you've got to this point, the very high point of Bret Hart's career is this night. I think you could argue this is the high point of his career because it's his show. And then you've got WrestleMania 9, which is arguably the low point because of how he's treated. But yeah, these WrestleMania moments, they kind of made me realise like when you're trying to pick stuff out, very difficult when not many of them are very good. Well, I tell you what's also difficult. This isn't just about quality, is it? There's no. a political slant to this. Yes, so they are trying to underplay Hogan because Hogan's no longer with the company of course. and would soon go to WCW. So they're trying to underplay the importance of him. They can't do it for all of them. They can't do it for Hogan Andre, mm. obviously. They can't do it for Hogan Warrior. But you'll notice that the Hogan Warrior thing, the main bit, the voiceover is in front of 60,000 fans at the whatever it was. Um, and it proved that no one is unbeatable. So that was yes. like, you know, even that was kind of. See, Hogan's not that great. And then so where they so then all the other stuff where Hogan is involved, they're trying to just paper over it because they want people to think yeah, about it. That, I, a good point. I guess also they didn't want to use the Savage Elizabeth reunion from WrestleMania 7 because Savage was still in the cut company and they, of course, would have been divorced by this point. So maybe that was a bit of a sour note that they didn't want to remind him of. WrestleMania 5, if you're going to pick a moment, it would be the mega powers explode. But again, Hogan wins the match. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that too much. So yeah. that is the problem, really, is that the history of WrestleMania up to WrestleMania 10 was Hulk Hogan. And I think they were trying to really downplay Hogan's kind of part in it all. Look at old man getting down to Linda, Linda McMahon's theme. Yeah. <laughs> you, you enjoyed that far too much then. Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> creepy that noise, wasn't it? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Linda that is McMahon, a... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, before it was ever Linda McMahon's theme, it was the WrestleMania theme and is just beautiful. I've actually uh, got that on CD. Mm. I, one of my sisters bought me the. Yeah, I mentioned this on the pay on the on the pay per view. Right, it should be pay per view. You lucky cunts. Um, <laughs> on the on the podcast before that, uh, one of my sisters bought me the WWF Superstars album from a charity shop for Christmas. One of the best ninety nine p she ever spent. <laughs> the Undertaker says slam. That's slam oh, job. Yeah, yeah, but it's on there, mate. Oh, it's on there as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not a single release. It's a full album. Ah, uh, see, I had the single of Slam Jam, but not the it's full you. album. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I'm the British Bulldog, and you're going down. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's so what he does. bad. Yeah, so Matt, time for you. Your talking point from this show. Talking point for me from this show is probably going to be the ladder match. Now, when I first uh, started watching this one, and this has been a theme for me throughout a couple of these shows now, is is trying to tailor my expectation to the time. And I, I before I even started watching the show, I thought, oh, I'm going to struggle with this ladder match. I, I, I really thought that I was going to have a hard time with it. So I really made a conscious effort of when I first put it on to really concentrate and just thought, right, you're not going to see ladders break. You're not going to see people crashing through 20 tables, anything like that. So just calm it down and just, you know, strip it back and just enjoy it for what it is. Now, that being said, I thought this match was actually really good. 
Not only was it really good, but it stood out far more than a lot of ladder matches I can remember over the years anyway. Like, some of the stuff that they did with the ladder was ridiculously creative, like, to the point of you don't even see it now. And, you know, it just goes to show that you don't have to snap ladders in half. You don't have to get a bigger one and jump off 20 feet ones to to make it mean something. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Shawn Michaels was absolutely phenomenal in this. You know, that, that, that goes without saying but the one thing that, that I do think is a little bit unfair is I, I don't think Razor Ramon gets enough credit for this because every time I've heard, you know, all the all the compliments for this match is, you know, Shawn Michaels went out to wrestle with the ladder. That I call bullshit on that. You know, Razor Ramon more than held his end. And I felt the two of them you know, work together, and th- this was fantastic. The first thing, well, one of the first points we made on this this entire podcast back in episode one, Royal Rumble 95, opening match, Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett, was Razor Ramon is cruelly underappreciated as a wrestler. He is far, far better than he ever gets credit for. And you're absolutely right, this could not have been as good a match as it was without Razor Ramon. This was, so we've already spoken about Owen Hart and Bret Hart on this very show. You've got this match as well. This is the match that pretty much won the whole round of Match of the Year awards for 1994, the ladder match. And I think it's really interesting because there's kind of two counterpoints I want to make for this same thing, which is that, first of all, I think the difference between the two matches is this one has aged a little bit because of what we've seen since and because the extent to which they've taken ladder matches has gone through the roof. This is dated ever so slightly because of those things, whereas Owen Hart and Bret Hart has not. In fact, I think it's as a, it just got better with age. People have watched it and they've just kind of taken to it even more. But it hasn't aged that much is what I wanted to say as well. Like it is still an excellent match, still dramatic. I think you kind of have to kind of have to watch it a little bit with an eye of this is the first time WWF had done a mainstream ladder match. They had done one, I think, with Bret and Sean on a house show for a video release, I think, in 1992. But this was the first time they'd done a high profile one of them. And the way they utilize the ladder was so innovative, as you said, Matt, that the fans are just like for everything they do that. Like, oh, my goodness. From the very first time they do it, which is the baseball slide that Shawn Michaels does into the ladder, into Razor's stomach from then on they're just completely caught up in this match and the moves they do to one another which for the time were extremely brutal and again extremely innovative i think it deserves a heck of a lot of credit and i don't want to you know i'm trying not to kind of let my obvious bias show for owen hart versus Bret Hart as a, as a great match which by the way is my match for the night <laughs> But this is still a, an excellent, excellent match. Matt hit it on the head. Everything matters. And that was what, like, this is, we've talked about this recently about the pace of matches, but this is, these guys are methodically taking their opponent, trying to take their opponent apart with the ladder so that they can win the match and they can win the titles. Well, title, but obviously there's two hanging up. But yeah, it's just fantastic. Shawn Michaels is just unfucking believable. He just knows when to step it up. Like in terms of his selling more than anything, I think he knows when to really throw his body into something like he does is over the top thrown into the corner into the ladder and over the top and he like fuck he must have almost killed himself to be honest and the same for Razor Ramon who takes a bump over the top rope and bear in mind he's I think he's about 6'6 he just takes it flat on the floor on concrete because he'd lifted up the mat Mm. and it's just really tremendous I mean this is match of the night on any other card Mm. I think probably for the next 10 or so years let's be honest that's not true 
<laughs> that's, that's just not true. I'm going to retract that immediately. But uh, like, certainly anything for this whole year, you'd suggest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Owen and Brett is my match of the night, of course. And uh, yeah, this is this is a long distance second somehow because it's fantastic and it's also uh, it had a tough act to follow this match because you've just had the classic between Earthquake and Adam Bomb. <laughs> So uh, it was always going to struggle to, to yeah. match that class. But somehow, somehow it did it. Somehow so. they did it. The one thing that this show is lacking on the network is I've said this before as well. The countdown show. Okay, so when you get the VHS, they've got the countdown show before the the event itself. It's a 25 minute countdown show to the pay per view, which would have been shown for free, I assume, to people. And it just gives you all the stories for why these matches are happening. So they do a little bit of that before the Owen Brett match. They kind of show a little bit of the build-up to it but they show the build-up to pretty much all the matches or at least the main matches on the countdown show and it's it is lacking that context a little bit which i think is a real shame because here you've got two intercontinental titles and on the network version which is the just the pay-per-view itself they don't show the video package that leads up to this which is that Shawn michaels obviously was uh, had to vacate the title but never lost the belt and so held on to his intercontinental title belt having been suspended and then when he came back from his suspension he kept hold he had still his intercontinental title claimed to be the real one and that led to this ladder match where both titles were now up for grabs but you know what they do a great they do a great job as well getting rid of diesel early on just yeah. get him out of there just get him out of there with the original in my at least in my in my experience of pro wrestling the original referee throwing a guy out which by the way is probably one of the most effective ways to get fans into a match is to get yeah. the referee to throw someone out i've never seen one where people just don't go mad for it i've been watching recently all the monday night rules at the beginning of 98 because i wanted to really watch that kind of whole build to wrestlemania 14 just out of interest and i've been doing it in, you know, when i've got a bit of time here and there and there's one match which means nothing on one of those shows where some Somebody gets sent to the back by one of the referees and the fans are going mad. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first time I ever saw it. So it really sticks with me as like a really significant one. Probably isn't. Probably did it many, many times before this. But to me, it's it's really significant. And what it does really well, though, is serve to get Diesel out of there and just let these two have the match that they were meant to have. And also uh, Earl had that way of getting rid of people where he'd kind of like point. He's point, and you know what's coming. He's almost, he's almost like a baseball pitcher winding his arm up, because you know what's coming. You know what's coming, and the crowd, yeah, the crowd, and then, then he gets the old double point out, and it's like nah, and obviously Diesel sells it, lovely. On the uh, broadcast as well, you can hear it. Also, he goes, you out of here and everyone's just like it's just brilliant it's, and it's the the pause between the you yeah. and the out it's just it's just magnificent earl's magnificent in this show yeah. he is magnificent. It's, it's reminiscent of the scene in naked gun when leslie nelson is playing the uh the baseball umpire <laughs> and he just starts throwing people out because he can't have the third out in the seventh innings because then the oh, queen yeah. might get killed yeah. yeah i'd say one more thing quickly as well is just that there has to be said as well because it's particularly a pet peeve of mine in, in ladder matches today and don't get me wrong, I, I get that they have to do it, but when you allow guys, you know, slowly climbing up, you know, they'll look up, try and, you know, try and grab the belt, and then, you know, they'll take another slow step and look up. And don't get me wrong, I, I know there needs to be some of that, but you don't need to do it forever. And they barely did it at this match. I mean, if there was somebody up on the ladder, it, it was because the other guy was down and he was able to climb and then somebody would come in and cut him off. So so that's fine. They did that great. There's no need to drag it out for 20 minutes. You know, look up, one rung, look up, one rung. I tell you what helped them with that is a ladder isn't that large. Mm. <laughs> 
No, it's true though. It really That's is true. true. Like usually they got that massive fucking ladder that they pull out of nowhere, and now basically the top of the ladder is right next to the belt. But here they use the normal standard size ladder, and they genuinely have to reach the top and still reach for the mm. belt, which probably is a little bit more dangerous. And I think a couple of occasions in this match you see slight, I mean ever so slight botches where they come down off the ladder. There's one where after Razor suplexes Michaels off the ladder, the ladder just collapses in on itself because yeah. it's, it's busted. And I think because of his weight distribution in terms of where he is on the ladder. But it does mean that you can make that more believable when you, you have to get all the way to the top and then you still have to reach up and you still have to kind of get a good grip on it. I think that really helps this. I think it really mm. helps in that respect. I can't believe we almost didn't mention the finish as well, Indeed. which is just fantastic. It's just brilliantly done. Like Obviously, Shawn Michaels is trapped with his left leg in the ropes and then he gets free and you're like oh he's gonna fucking get him and then he gets his arm caught <laughs> it's just brilliant and again like that's Shawn Michaels and that's already covered how great Razor Ramon is in this match but no one could do that but Shawn Michaels I don't think because that like that was the kind of thing that Brett wouldn't do because it's not wasn't his style but Shawn Michaels doing that wonderful stuff well done lad unfortunately we've blown our loads there haven't we <laughs> well, I was about to say that that's why this match gets my vote for match of the night. Ooh. Did it do that just out of protest or is that, you know, is that genuine? Gen- genuine. I-, I thought this was the best match of the night. Cool. Well, you're wrong, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, it's okay. You've shown your um, appreciation for the opener, so we're all right. We're all right. Yeah. Um, do we need to find someone else for the 21st? Okay. <laughs> I, I will admit I'm I am biased a little bit towards Shawn Michaels. I'm a very, very big Shawn Michaels fan, so that might have something to do with it. I'm gonna say something now. I think for you, Matt, watching this for the first time, this must be like choosing your favourite kid. Because <laughs> watching it first time as a person who grew up as I mentioned earlier, your first show was 2001. Your expectations of what you are expecting, because that's what expectation is, uh, <laughs> for, a, fuck me, um, for a wrestling match, <laughs> will be very different to mine and Tinky's, I think, especially because we've watched this. I think you said he's watched this 25 times. I must have watched these two matches 10 or 12 times each, I think. So I, uh, I'll give you a pass on that. Well, I think it's also worth saying that uh, the round of Match of the Year awards went to Razor and Sean. Mm. Uh, you know, so, you know, it was at the time a contemporary belief that this was better. I think now, in retrospect, I think Brett Owen gets a bit more plaudits than Sean Michaels, Razor Ramon. But I think that's because people are being unfair to Sean and Razor, not because people have genuinely changed their minds. Mm. I think people look at it now and go, oh, it's a bit dated, it's a ladder match, but they don't do anything really like mad but that's not the reason why Brett Owen's better Brett Owen's better because it's better simple as <laughs> could you imagine if they tried to do this ladder match now imagine Would... them trying to do either of them either of these matches now I was going to say Brett Owen but I think there's enough in that because of the near falls as well I think at the start that people would get invested this ladder match they'd be boring there'd be people going off and wanking just for something to do it'd be embarrassing wouldn't it and you'd just be like guys come on and then Shawn Michaels ass would fall out like you don't know <laughs> his ass would fall out obviously his, uh, his tights are pulled down then his ass falls out and uh, yeah like they people would be popping for that and then they'd be going oh I've seen an ass now so I think though that both matches they rely on the compliance of the fans to chant for mm. who they're supposed to chant for and that's a problem that 
you have in wrestling these days is that no matter how well you promote someone as a babyface or a heel, there's always some dickhead trying to be contrary. And so there would be and there were a couple in the fans, I think, cheering for Owen during the during the match but it's so little and they're doing it in such a they're doing it in a really non-invasive way like it's not mm. like they're going oh brett sucks brett sucks and all this shit they're just kind of going come on owen come on owen you know it's, it's a bit less it's just a little bit less kind of mean-spirited i guess and i just don't think you'd get that you need this universal crowd reaction that these two matches have got in favor of brett and razor as the baby faces to make them extra specially good mm. so i that's the reason i think it was struggled because they rely on the very clear babyface heel roles and the very clear way in which the fans react to them in those mm. roles okay let's take a break there we'll come back and we'll cover the rest of the show in chronological order we'll see you in a second years ago they had a show and everybody in the world came to know WrestleMania was born and a sounding bird and it became just the greatest show on earth. Mega stars, mega talent, roughly at its best. The WWF will rise to the test. We got stars galore, we got stars galore. You're going to see a show like never before. The mission is the title that we will win. But we're all going to rock WrestleMania. Cheers! Here we got Hollywood's cream of the crop. Here's the list and it's hot, hot, hot. We got Burt Reynolds from Evening Shade. It's smoking in the bandit. He had a mint. We got Ron Shear from Up All Night. WrestleMania 10 is out of sight. We got Little Richard in the place to be. Hair club for men. No, we got five swelling. Hair will be with the corn rolling and curling. We got Jenny Gunn from 90210. Should be ringing the bell if you really want to know. We got stars galore. We got stars galore. You're going to see a show like never before. The mission is the title that we will win. But we all going to rock WrestleMania, yeah! The hurdles at the Mania are going to be hard. Check it out now, because here's the card. Let's go against Joko, he'll tear him apart. But the winner of that match will face Brett Hart. Brett goes against Owen, they'll fight one another. It'll be a class man, brother versus brother. Brett better be aware of what's at hand. He's in for the fury of the macho man. Adam Bob's in the house, he's going to shake. Because he must face uh, somebody earthquake. Shawn Michaels and Razor, this one matters both. But being a daze, she must face a lunge blaze. Stork and Deke, you know they like to joke. Bam, bam, and Luna might go up and smoke. We got stars galore, we got stars galore. You're gonna see a show like never before. The mission is the title that we will win. But we're all gonna rock WrestleMania. Yeah! Men on a mission, no one's ready to crush. The Quebecers have the belts, but they must meet us. We got one more match, this one's in the bag. Ten men in the ring for a ten-man tag. It's gonna be a gala. It's coming to you next Sunday, March 20th, on oh, pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you don't stop, Woo! you don't stop, man on a mission, yeah, you don't stop. Oh, yeah. Okay, welcome back. Now, for those who don't know, that was the WrestleMania 10 wrap by uh, Men on a Mission and Oscar in the uh, break there. I, I thought I'd include it because it's another thing that's included on the countdown show. And I just I honestly think that they need to put these countdown shows on, shows on because they are such a valuable piece of thing for these shows. Like this has got 
the all the I said all the build to the Savage Crush match, all the build to the Yokozuna Luger and Bret Hart title matches, the Owen Bret stuff has got a bit of an extended thing about their feud. It's got a bit about Bigelow and Doink's feud that's been going on for months. So they're really important. But also it's got um it's got some stuff backstage with Johnny Polo, Raven. The manager of the competitors, yeah, talking. He's backstage trying to get a word with Jenny Garth, trying to get a word with Burt Reynolds, and them all pretty much just shunning him. Talking about what they've had for breakfast and everything. Oh, it's just fabulous stuff. Tony Gurria comes out of uh, Jenny Garth's dressing room, and and Johnny Polo is basically calling him a pervert. It's just, it's magnificent. And then there's the bit right towards the end of the countdown show where the that quite the choir who helped Little Richard sing "America the Beautiful" are around the ring and Jerry the King Lawler's music comes on but Jerry Lawler had not been in the company for the best part of the last three months following his suspension so this was his first appearance back in the WWF and Vince McMahon's going and we've got the king because he's expecting the king of rock and roll little Richard and then Jerry Lawler comes out instead and Vince gets all annoyed because he's he's now got a commentator with Jerry Lawler even though Vince himself is the owner of the company so I'm sure he knew about it but obviously he's not playing that role he's playing very much just the the, the play-by-play commentator it's tr- uh, tremendous the countdown show is tremendous tremendous should be on the should be on the network somewhere yeah they're quite an easy fix aren't they as well just chuck it on the top in the front of it yeah anyway before the wrestlemania video and music we get the first wrestlemania moment of the night and then i've written here as we come into the the arena for the first time madison square garden welcome everyone because that's what Vince McMahon does in the middle of the ring. And I got and I've written a little note here. I am so fucking excited. I am so <laughs> fucking I, that just that. I was just like, this is this is it. This is this is where it all began in some ways for me. So it's just so exciting. Vince introduces little Richard to sing America the Beautiful. I gotta say, this is possibly the first time I've watched him sing America the Beautiful since the first time I watched mm. this show. Because every other time I would have fast forwarded through it or skipped it. It's fucking fantastic. It's so good. So there is a he mimes and I heard this on Bruce Pritchard's podcast because apparently he does a practice through mm. and he's saying he's I'm gonna mime and he does a practice through in the afternoon and apparently um Pritchard is stood just outside the ring and he said it's fucking amazing. And he says to Little Richard, he's like, You should do it live and he's like, No, I don't want to because he's really shy. But for those that haven't heard it, it starts off and it's awful for one <laughs> yeah, of a better phrase. Yeah, yeah. Because he goes, Fuck beautiful <laughs> and he's in <laughs> and he's given all that and then the fucking he's given it the, the old dramatic isn't he he's been yeah uh, <laughs> it's kind of like he's got the shudder when you've just like ejaculated like regularly through the course of about a minute and uh, and then the choir kicks in Oh, it's fucking so fucking good. The first <laughs> half hour of this show is as close to perfect as I think almost anything ever in wrestling. I could not believe how good it is because I've always been a big fan of this Little Richard thing. Even with the moment, I think this is the best version of America the Beautiful at WrestleMania. I was tr- I was trying to rack my head. About I know Ray Charles does a cracking little number, and so does Aretha Franklin at WrestleMania 3, not so much 23. But I think they are, and this isn't to do them down, but their pure voice, their voices are absolutely phenomenal. Whereas this has got 
Everything's got the choir coming in, and it, oh, it's wonderful. This is a, an arrangement. This is an interpretation yes, yes, of, of yes, the song, yes. rather than just someone singing the song. This is someone's thought, like, how are we going to do this so that it makes a mark? How are we going to do this yeah. so it's something different? I say, as I said, it was the first time I watched it since the first time I watched the show. And as a 10-year-old, I couldn't give a fuck about America the Beautiful, so I just skipped it every time after mm-hmm. that. So I had no memory of this being really good. But I agree, old man. I was like, starts off, and I was like, oh, this is, this is bad. I, I thought it might be. And then you're right, the choir kicks in. You're like, mm. all right, fair enough. We are at the races with this thing. It's uh, it's lovely. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it again because I, I was I was saying earlier that I, I was having some technical difficulties while trying to watch his show, so I had to skip a lot of like some of the segments and mm. stuff. So I was like, oh crap, I'm got time. So I had to skip this, and I normally hate doing that because I love all the you know the, the 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 singing at the start and even like years later when they'll do like concert mini concerts mid show. Yes, I'm looking at Kid Rock mid WrestleMania, which I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That was awesome. Love all the musical stuff. I'm gonna go back and rewatch this. I think as well, like the whole thing with this and it's what you said, and I'd not it hadn't twigged in my head, but it's Vince introduces little Richard. And he was he calls him the king of rock and roll, I think mm. it is. And then I'll <laughs> And uh, there's so he starts singing. He does his little, <laughs> and uh, the guy who was at all of the ECW shows is there with the long okay. black hair and the glasses. He does not look very impressed. Was he? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like to the left of the hard camera, but like he's quite far back. So obviously, he normally he's front and center. How much money do they have to spend on all the shows he went to? That is exactly what I thought. <laughs> I was like, shit, a brick. This guy messed about a bit. And then uh, there's a guy in the front row wearing a Shawn Michaels jacket. And I was like, fucking hell, that guy's cool. And then I realised like, the actual thought of wearing a Shawn Michaels jacket made me feel a bit sick. <laughs> yeah, there's also the guy, is it Victor or Ivan or whatever his name is? The super fan, the WWF yeah. super fan. Oh, um, Vladimir. Vladimir, that's his name. He's in the front row as well. And he's wearing an F on his shirt, a pink mm. F. And he's next to someone with a W on his shirt. They must have had a third person. They yeah, they did. Up. So you've got all your kind of faces, all of your faces of the yeah. fans. This is a Madison Square Garden as well. Let's not forget yeah. this. The home stadium. There's two people missing. And that's bright pink tracksuit. Yeah. Bright green tracksuit. But they're after this period, aren't they? I don't think they're that much if they are. They, yeah. they are definitely in the crowd around this time. The the, the bold guy with the pink tracksuit is the yeah. guy that I've seen more often, much more often. And occasionally there's a woman with the bright green or bright yellow yeah. tracksuit with him. But he's not there. I didn't see him. It's a shame. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> So our commentators for the night are Vincent Mann and Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler starts a little rusty and a little stutter. <laughs> a little rusty is kind. Yeah, he's all over the place to start with. As soon as the matches begin, he's electric. But in this mm. intro bit, he's just tripping all over his words. What is going on here? But um, what do we think of the commentary team over the course of the evening? I, I got to be honest, I, I tried to block Jerry Lawler out eventually, but it was impossible because some of the just some of the stuff he said. I mean, OK, I, I I know they, they were quite big into the you know heel and face commentary that you know those days where he, he played the role of, of a heel well if that's what he was shooting for because some of the stuff he said I just thought was so dickish and no nah, I, I was not feeling Jerry Lawler on commentary at all 
I think he's pretty bloody good. But, like, it's the comments about women, unfortunately. Like, because he says that Alundra Blaze looks like a horse. Took the words out of my mouth there. Yeah, and it's just really, like... And he's also, he's very disrespectful to Leilani Kai, who, in his eyes, isn't a traditionally beautiful woman. So he uses... The fact that he, he is sarcastically saying that Leilani Kai is attractive against Alandra Blaze. And he's also quite rude about Luna Vachon. And also Dink in the mixed tag match, which we'll get to, doesn't make any sense. But with the Dink thing, there's kind of obviously, there's some history, obviously. So where they have the match at Survivor Series. So I can kind of get that. It's not history by this point. It's future. Oh, point. no, of course it's not. Yeah. Shit a brick. Oh, in that case, he just doesn't like short people. But I'm also very aware that this is 1994. I was having a conversation with some people on the weekend and we were just talking, I can't remember how we got into it, but talking about how like all of a sudden people are like trying to be respectful to women. And uh, one of the ladies I was with made a joke. She said, yeah, because that's only been a thing since 2021. And it is, that is kind of literally it. It's like, at this point, it's still cool to be rude about how women look and far after this as well. Yeah, apart from that, I thought the commentary was... A one. And Vince's enthusiasm is infectious, like the coronavirus. <laughs> Well, as you as you well know, this is my favourite commentary team, Vince and Jerry Lawler. I can understand why it's not for everyone, but it's what I grew up with. And there are passages of this commentary that I can actually quote, which is ridiculous, but that's how many times I've seen it. So I think the thing with the women comments as well is that the way you do this is you just don't comment on anybody's look ever because it's not about that. They are supposed to be competitors. I think the problem is, though, is that probably Jerry Lawler at this time in particular, his argument might be, well, I talk, to, talk about the men in the same way. So, you know, what am I going to do? But I think it's just given that the women's match lasts lasts about three minutes. It's just the number of times he refers to their looks, which is the which is perhaps where it stands out um, on this show. But overall, I really like their commentary. I think maybe partially as well is the fact that you really dislike Lawler is exactly the point, and it means that anybody who he supports, you automatically hate as well. So it helps that situation we were talking about in the first half of the show, where these two matches are two big matches. There is no kind of anybody cheering for the for the heels there's there's not any kind of cross or un, uncertainty about who's supposed to be a baby face and heel because the the crowd who will have watched wwf television every week prior to this know exactly who the heels and the baby faces are because jerry lawler makes it so clear i mean actually i say that lawler had just returned on this show so whoever was the heel commentator before that would have done so but that's such a big part of it but Vince, it's just his enthusiasm. He's just got such an enthusiasm, regardless of how good he is at calling the moves. Any of that stuff, I don't think it matters. He's just, he's just so infectiously excited all the way through that I can't, I can't dislike his commentary. Video plays of the history then between Brett and Owen, which we've spoken about in some, which is 
an incredible piece of work. Well, it's so simple as well. The, the yeah. story, the storytelling, so simple. It's made up. The whole feud is made up of the bit of the Survivor Series '93, a cup about three interview segments between Survivor Series '93 and Rumble '94. The bit where Owen kicks Brett at Rumble '94 is promo after that match, and then a couple of promos between then and WrestleMania, and that's it. That's the whole storyline. You can't do that now because you need to fill television shows with quality every week, whereas mm. they just didn't really do that back in 1994. You had lots of squash jobber matches but you know tinky uh, um uh, royal rumble what was it um i went did to brett <laughs> and that's why i kicked your leg out of your leg <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal absolutely phenomenal. Uh, well matt you've basically walked into basically two guys who are basically sucking each other off and you're having a watch <laughs> 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 you, you carry on with the, the Brett and I would love it and it's all good this, this kind of voyeurism you can't get for free anywhere else <laughs> so then we have the, the other criticism of the Brett and Owen match which isn't really part of the Brett and Owen match but it's between the match and the video which is the most pathetic firework display in the history of pro wrestling which happens straight after the video between Brett and Owen and there's a little fireworks display it lasts for all of 10 seconds and there's about four fireworks that go off <laughs> it's terrible I mean it's inside in fairness it's yeah inside an arena i mean what was anyone expecting but still why they did it i don't know they after the brett and owen match which is the opener we have todd pettengill interviewing owen hart which tom spoke about when he before he went he's got a spit in his uh spit in the corner of his mouth he says that he doesn't think that brett will be able to compete for any world title after the beating he just gave him as brett is due to face whoever beat wins the other world title match between yokozuna and lex luger later on in the show then we get wrestlemania moment wrestlemania 2 ray charles and battle royal and then bill don introduces Cy Sperling. I don't know who Cy Sperling is, but clearly some people are supposed to know who he is. He's the president of the Hair Club for Men, who then introduces his newest creation, Howard Finkel. With hair! Unbelievable! Oh man, I guess this was quite dear to your heart, really, this. Aspirational, maybe? Um, <laughs> I will tell you what I will say. The Fink looks alright with hair. Mm. Which... When he appeared, I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But then I, he gets back in the ring later on, and I was like, you know what? The Fink's a sexy little bugger. <laughs> Just never noticed it. And uh, I don't mind this, because what they're not doing... We had this before, the NXT TakeOver... Uh, what was it? TakeOver Arrival? No, NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way. No, oh, that was it. Uh, basically the same thing. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they were actively saying that being bold is disgusting and they weren't doing this here it's just Howard Fink thought that uh, he would look better with hair and I'm not going to say he looked better with hair but you look good with hair so I have no argument with it and now, now can we move away from this <laughs> <laughs> we can if you want I don't, uh, Matt I don't know if this was something you had to skip no I, I kind of saw it but yeah just, he looks cool with hair <laughs> I think the thing for me is every moment on the show even the stuff that ordinarily I would just completely ignore means something because I've watched it so many times I mean what made me laugh is as I was going through the show because like I said I was trying to like make some time as well I was like bloody hell I'm saving loads of time by how many moments and stuff that I did have to skip through because his freaking loads of them well i it's weird because i thought that but then i was trying to think about what i was going to put in the break and i was like there's nothing i can really pick out other than maybe the owen hart promo i was like there's not a lot here anyway the second match is next it's a mixed tag team match it sees bam bam bigelow and luna vashan against doink and dink it lasts just over six minutes and it ends when bigelow hits a flying headbutt on doink for 
the win. Old man, what was your thoughts on this one? It was always going to be a step back. <laughs> only, and, only, only a small one there, old man, eh? No, and this is going to sound far more brutal than it's meant. This isn't a step back. They run back to the start line, and I think they have to, because I think what they've just been given, the, as the crowd in attendance and the millions watching at home, is the best thing that many of them will have and maybe have still ever seen. So they had to just completely reset. And the way to do that was with a match that has been a long time in the building. They've been building this for a long old while. It goes back to uh, the Survivor Series, wasn't it? 93. Oh, scared of me Survivor Series now, just in case I've got it wrong again. <laughs> but this isn't very good, let's be honest. Like, this is not. This is not very good at all. But uh, Dink does that amazing little jump thing where he touches his toes yeah. with his... Every day, I just fucking love it because yeah. he's just mocking them. I do think... and well, I'm sure that he consented in it, but he's treated very poorly in this match, <laughs> which I didn't like because he's, th- he's thrown around with what, to me, seems a very reckless hand. But this is exactly what it needed to be in truth, I don't get the mixed tag match element because you're kind of saying that a lady is a dwarf or a dwarf is a lady. And that I was kind of a little bit like, oh, OK, but it's crap. But it had to be crap because, as I said, it needed to go all the way back to the start so that you can then build up to the last two matches because I come eight or nine times and I needed to rejuvenate my bollocks. So I had them. I was sat on a bag of sprouts at this point, I think. <laughs> Matt, did you have to get on the sprouts too? <laughs> I, I, I can't say quite the same, but I, I, I take your point there, old man, in terms of, you know, having, well, no, not the sprouts part, uh, but, but having to kind of go back to the start and they did kind of need to reset a little bit. But I, I tell you what, this just, yeah, this sucked. This kind of goes back to, you know, sort of conversation we had, you know, earlier on about just this is meant to be WrestleMania, you know, that this is meant to be a big show. There was no need for this to be on the card. And I will admit, I didn't know that this had been a food that had been brewing for months, which genuinely makes me really sad as well. Because, I mean, from what I know of Bam Bam Bigelow, meant to be pretty good, you know, looks amazing, looks like a big heavyweight guy and to be having a food with doink the clown i mean come on no i i'm so i'm sorry just no this is not something that worked for me i mean there, there was no need for it but again you know it, whatever it, it, it i suppose it did what it was meant to it was everybody's toilet break what else can you say about it i think this is where we get another bit of your what we know about you matt and what you dislike which is you dislike the cartoony aspects of wrestling sometimes I don't dislike that stuff anywhere near as much as you do because it's where I started, basically. And without that cartoony stuff, you don't get all the cool Undertaker is dead and raising to heaven heaven stuff, you know. So, you know, you've got to you've got to take the rough with the smooth. I think also what this probably does is that before this show, as I said, the countdown show, they 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 actually do show you the build to each of the matches. And actually when you go through the show, only one, two, three for six of them have any real build in truth this is one of them and i think what this demonstrates is actually how thin the roster was at the time in the wwf don't forget this is a couple of months away from vince's trial there is some concern about the fact that he might go down business has been down numbers have been dropping significantly since the height of the late 80s early 90s to the point where the following year 95 i believe is their least 
commercially successful year but there was a kind of trending downwards from sort of 1990 right the way down and partially that is because of the scandal of the steroid trial and everything that's going on um there is a lot of work being done to preempt the potential for vince to go down including i believe signing over the company to linda to make sure that if he did go down the the company could continue they have reduced costs significantly they started doing monday night raw the beginning of 93 live once every, every other week and from the same from the Manhattan Manhattan Center. By this point in 1994, they were now doing it like three or four weeks in one taping at an arena where they could get more people in and get more money. So in certain lots of different ways, they're trying to cut back at this point in time. And so in my mind, it's weird to think of this as not being WrestleMania worthy because, as I say, it's the first one of the first shows I ever saw. But I completely understand where you're coming from when you say that it doesn't feel WrestleMania worthy. I just think that even at this time, Doink is one of the most over baby faces around and Bigelow is one of the most over heels. So it's just they've got a really weak roster. They've just got a really weak roster. In terms of the match, oh, I struggle because I didn't didn't dislike it at all. I didn't dislike it at all. I thought what they did was fine. I really did think it what they did was fine. That massive DDT by Doink on Bigelow mm. is genuinely massive. It's just absolutely everything Dink and Luna do in the ring is perfectly fine makes sense to me i know what you mean old man she she does she does treat him with a bit of rough houses him somewhat but i kind of just thought you know what if they didn't do that you could make the same criticism that they were kind of being a little bit oh you're you're a dwarf so we'll kind of you know we we won't won't, we'll take it easy on you and he probably didn't want that you know as, as a mm. professional wrestler he wanted to go in and have the best match he could is it's a wrestlemania match here so you know you're not, you're not going to want to you know not put your all into it i just thought it was fine what can you put out after brett and owen not yes. very much and this was fine and i don't think it's, it's anywhere near the worst match on the show put it that way <laughs> i think it's fine i think it's a good i think if i'm giving it out of 10 i'd give it a good five and a half out of 10 no problem at all Get the hell out of you. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I honestly think your reaction to this is entirely because of who's in it, not how good they how 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 decent the match is. I think it's entirely because it's all cartoony and it's doink and dink and all that. But I think this is this is fine. It's not fine. It's not bad at all. So, you know, for me the, the most memorable thing of this was the fact that I'm pretty sure that Dink messed up post match. But you know they did the the sort of splash onto Dink and it was meant to be um, you know, both Bam Bam and Luna splashing him at the same time mm. he kind of got splashed by Luna anyway and I think she got pissed off because I, I don't think that was meant to happen and she sort of shoved him out of the way like I've never read it that way either I've always read it that he just avoided getting hit by Bigelow because that would have been a disaster yeah pretty sure he, he was meant to avoid both because that's meant to be you know the baby face is standing tall kind of thing then but yeah, no I think, I think he fucked it up maybe I, I'm always predisposed to dislike this as well because I love Hill Doink yeah Hill Doink is much oh. better Hildoink's music is fucking amazing. And in fairness, Hildoink is anything but cartoony. Hildoink's yeah. a very, very cool act. It would, you know, it's like a bit of a Joker style act, actually, yeah. I would suggest, rather would, than a kind of just a heel clown. What would Hildoink have been? Like 92 to 90, early 93? Actually, mainly late 92 to late 93. And then he turns yeah. big shortly before Survivor Series. He's only really a year, but he's just a much, yeah. much better character. The music's kind of sinister. Oh, the whole thing's really sinister. Is... It's great. I can't wait for the for the overall score. 
doors of this show after that. <laughs> like, it's like, not, like, you know, I, th- I think the thing is, is you, uh, the thing, one, the other thing I should say, and I've explained this before, but for me, average is six out of 10, which I know is weird because it should be five, but average for me is six out of 10. So I'm saying it's below average. I just don't think it's bad. You know, I think it's, it's okay. Six minutes. It's fun. It gets done. It's pretty tidy. They have some good moves. Bigelow does his reverses the old uh, back suplex and into a crossbody. I just think it's, it's decent. Next up then. Hell to the chief place. And Bill Clinton, apparently, is shown in the president's box. It's not the real Bill Clinton, as I thought when I was a child. Um, <laughs> it's an impersonator, but I didn't know that at the time. He sat next to Jack Tunney. And then behind him is IRS. Oh, yes. Then we have the WrestleMania 3 WrestleMania moment. And then it comes to our Fool's Count Anywhere match between Randy Savage and Crush. A match that goes a little under 10 minutes and ends when Savage and Crush fight into the crowd and out to the backstage. Savage pins Crush out in some backstage area bit and then hangs him upside down from some kind of uh, some kind of winch type thing. And Crush can't get back to the ring within 60 seconds, which is the unique rule of this match. No idea why, but effectively you have to pin your opponent and then they've got 60 seconds to get back to the ring. Now, in terms of matches that are worse than Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachana against Don't the Clown and Didn't Clown, this is one of them. This is not a good match at all. Uh, I don't care who's involved. The rules are ridiculous. It Basically, the whole match is just waiting for someone to count to 60 seconds. It's just stupid. Um, there's three pinfalls in nine, in ten, just under 10 minutes. It's, no, it's not for me. Old man. So they don't explain the rules. <laughs> so Savage goes after Crush and his mother because they are separate entities, I think. <laughs> And uh, he then gets picked up in a military press by Crush and dropped on the barricade and almost kills himself, Savage. Like, if he didn't hit his throat or his chin, then he is some kind of fucking guy because uh, it looks fucking brutal. And then he gets pinned. And I'm like, oh, weird. I don't remember. And we've had this before where I've watched shows. And I, I reckon I, I've watched this in the last three years, I reckon. No memory of this match which is never a good never a good sign for me. And uh, yes, they do that. And then they explain the rules. And I'm like, oh, this is shit. And then it's just crap. And there's a bit where Crush full on hits his head into the ring post. Like, there's no faking it. He just headbutts the ring post. I was like, if he folded his mullet round, it would have been all right. Now, the finish that you went through where he like ties him into the winch that doesn't work. Mm. So he kind of pulls his legs up and then they just go back on the floor. I quite like it because at least it's a bit different. But then I was like, why is it there? <laughs> and then I was like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you could do anything. And also, why did they go out the back? What he should have done is just basically taken a page out of Tommy's book and got some gaffer tape out and taped his leg to the ring post and hung him upside down. That's what they should have done. I'm not going to say it would have been would have made the uh, match a five and a half star classic out of ten. But uh, yeah, just uh, no, no. What, what, what they should have done, old man, is not made this a match where you get 60, minutes, 60 seconds to get back in the ring after being pinned. And especially when one of the pinfalls, Savage does all of his moves, a double axe handle and the elbow drop off the top rope, and then realises if he pins him in the ring, it means nothing. He has to actually yeah. roll him out of the ring in order to yeah. pin him. Just stupid. This is 100%. If this isn't Savage, they've killed the crowd. 
I think, because the crowd aren't the crowd are into Savage. They're not into Crush. Crush is terrible, isn't he? Matt, any uh, any any different opinions from you? I'm loving this. Keep keep going. This is thoroughly entertaining. Uh, just before I do start, have they ever had this stipulation before? You know, I'm assuming they've never done this. Not that I remember. Or, yeah, then this this stipulation can easily be banished with the likes of the you know the the championship scramble bollocks that there was a couple of years ago. But the stipulation was crap. It, it really was meaningless. Like I, I didn't realize at first that that's what it was either. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. Who, who didn't know that um and literally when the first pinfall happened i mean i li- literally out loud just went what the fuck <laughs> and i thought no way and i thought hang on a second so- something's gotta happen here i was like no way is randy savage losing that quickly and i was like oh, okay so so he hasn't and then it, then it continued and you know it was it, it was all right it was fine it, it was it was neither thoroughly entertaining nor utterly shit. It was just, it was just there. The, the finish I thought was clever as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they didn't really need to do it all the way out the back where they did it. You know, like like you said, old man, they they easily could have done it surrounded the ring and you know sort of tied his feet with tape or something like that. So there was no need for it to do it out there, but they did whatever. It's like a uh, an elongated last man standing match, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's just no drama. There, were, there would have been very little drama anyway, I must say. Between these two, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of appetite in my belly for this match. But to take any semblance of drama away was just like, oh, what are you doing? Well, I think also, again, it goes to the how weak the roster is because mm. Randy Savage is having his one match that he's had in about. Well, he had he actually has a match against Yokozuna a few weeks before this for the title. But other than that, this is basically Savage's one match for the year that he's having. And they've they've lined him up crush because they don't really have anybody else. They really have a very weak roster. And so, you know, they, they've and they made it again. This this feud goes back to the end of the previous year where, you know, again, it's five Series 93, which we covered late last year we talked about this crush comes out and costs randy savage his part in the his survivor series match and then savage does the same to crush but before that there was a sense that they were supposed to be friends don't know where that came from but they were friends and then crush attacks randy savage brutally drops him on the guardrail and all this it's called vince man even references it on commentary it was called the randy savage and crush summit this whole angle and yeah they've been basically a feud since then and this is the payoff and yeah i don't know what they were thinking i don't know what they were thinking with the rules i don't know but i would have rather seen randy savage versus bam bam bigelow if i'm honest mm. in, a, in a match that would have been better but still it, it just shows you it, goes, it kind of shows you where they were with this roster when you said randy savage and crush summit was it mm. not randy savage and crush question mark some shit <laughs> was that not what it was no it was summit it was the summit because oh, they, they, they basically had them in the ring on raw as if they were going to like reunite and then crush and him mm. shake hands and then crush raises his hand and then attacks him fucking out it that's grammar based humor on the level of lionel hutz and the simpsons when he gives the simpsons so he's the lawyer he gives them a business card and it's got his name and his telephone number it says no money down and then he asks for money and they're like but it says no money down like, oh there's clearly a mistake so he puts no comma money down exclamation mark <laughs> <laughs> beautiful go on punctuation <laughs> That's the level we've sunk to. We're now celebrating <laughs> a comma. So next up, Todd Pettingill. <laughs> now you're just talking about Carlito and his brothers. Right. Yeah. So semicolon. That's his half brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you'll find some time ago I suggested that was him with uh, with half an erection. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
So uh, next up, Todd Pettengill finds himself up in the um, uh, the president box and he talks to Bill Clinton, not the real Bill Clinton, as I thought when I was a 10 year old. <laughs> um, and uh, he asks Clinton about IRS being behind him. Clinton says that they've they've had a little talk. They've talked things over and uh, they think everything's fine now. IRS then stands up and says to Bill Clinton that he's doing a fine job running the country and congratulates him for raising taxes. I'm just wondering whether this is a little bit of Vince McMahon's politics starting to show through ever yeah. so slightly it's very subtle <laughs> it is it's, it's, it's there but if you if you if you look for it you'll see it you'll see it yeah then we see some footage of randy savage celebrating with some fans then there's the next wrestlemania moment which sees savage winning the world title at the trump plaza so this wrestlemania would you have bought tickets to watch it close circuit next door in the other theater in msg no see i've got a sneaky feeling if i lived down the road i would have <laughs> maybe if i live down the road yeah maybe, and yeah like, i'm not saying no, i would have flown from bristol <laughs> and they're like oh it's 20 quid oh, yeah mm. all right then go on then go on then have mm. a go especially if savage comes in and starts celebrating with you all that'd be mad and magnificent I, I wonder how long he was in there because you know he's not a man who went in there for two minutes well no he was there for the rest of the night i expect until yeah. he comes out at the end but we'll get to that we'll get there so match number four of the night well match number five on the whole show but we didn't see the dark match didn't have any bodies in the bushwhackers although again on the countdown show you see a little clip of that because they're in the background as todd bettingill's walking down the down the aisle it's magnificent stuff <laughs> uh, the fourth match is alundra blaze against leilani kai for the wwf women's title match this is leilani kai's second appearance at wrestlemania because as they say on commentary she's at wrestlemania one she fights uh, wendy richter in the uh, in that show um here alundra blaze wins with a lovely German suplex on Milani. It's a match that only lasts for three and a half minutes. Matt, what were your thoughts? I, I don't think it lasted long enough for me to have many, to be perfectly honest. It, it was fine. I mean, the, the crowd were absolutely dead for it. I mean, you know, we, we've already talked about Jerry Lawler's fantastic commentary, you know, referring to London Blaze as a horse. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only thing that sort of stuck out for me uh, in terms of, you know, me definitely being more of a, of a modern fan than the past is how much Alundra Blaze just reminded me of Charlotte Flair. And I was just thinking, wow, Vince does have a type. And <laughs> that was about it, really. I thought this was as good as it could have been. For three minutes, 20 seconds, Eddie, Alundra Blaze chucks on a couple of nice little pinning combinations, some nice little athletic moves. I think they get everything out of this that they could. Leilani Kai is obviously a, a fair bit bigger than Alundra Blaze, who which comes out is £128 or something like that. I was like, bloody heck, that's light. It's like nine stone. But uh, yeah, I love the finish. The bridge is beautiful. Great bridge, great bridge. And uh, I think this is probably currently the second best match on the card I wrote him on this. Because I genuinely think if they got a couple more minutes, then I think they would have had a right little record going on. Difficult to say, given it's only three and a half minutes long. But I think Alondra Blaze is a genuinely very talented wrestler. And I've seen a couple of her matches during this this run with the WWF. And they are both very, very good. Well, I say they're both very good. The other one I've seen is <laughs> genuinely very good. I think she's quite talented. I think she just was unfortunately in the wrong era for women's wrestling, mm. unfortunately. This was WWF trying to come up with a women's division but they didn't really do much with it unfortunately they had blaze as the champion there was never really a division built around her uh and the and it actually seemingly the last pay-per-view that she shows up on is survivor series 95 where there's actually a women's survivor series match and they've brought in a load of people from japan including some extremely talented wrestlers aja kong is one of the people in the match and previous to that they had bull nakano but they also got like a lot of other 
um, great Japanese women's res- women wrestlers. But then she jumped to WCW. And I don't know whether WWF had plans at that point or she knew they didn't. And that's why she jumped. Um, but then they kind of scrapped the women's division until 1998. So n- nothing came of it in the end. But uh, this was an attempt, but it wasn't a very... Wasn't a very good attempt. They didn't really try very hard at the time for them. So then we get Mae Young, Nikolai Volkov, and Fabulous Mula shown in the crowd very briefly. Yeah. Mae Young's not named because I'm because I don't think she'd ever been on WWF television prior to this. I think she was just there as a friend of the Fabulous Mula. And this is also just briefly before Nikolai Volkov would become Million Dollar Man's first managerial guy. He was the first guy that Million Dollar Man managed in WWF. Well, um, also. Uh... Captain Lou Albano's there as well. Oh, I didn't see him. Oh, I missed him. Yeah, and um, yeah, he makes he does a very attractive face to the camera, as you can imagine. Okay. And there is someone next to Captain Lou, and I couldn't write fast enough. Well, I didn't write anyone's name down because it could be bothered to be honest. But um, yeah, yeah, there's someone else. So whoever you are, let us know. Cool. At RWR Pod UK on Twitter, Facebook, so th- and MySpace. <laughs> So then we get WrestleMania moment five, which is Piper dealing with Morton Downey Jr. That was the guy you couldn't remember the name of earlier on. Before we get our tag team title match, which is the Quebecers, the tag team champions against men on a mission in a match that goes just over seven and a half minutes and ends when the Quebecers are counted out. So they lose the match, but retain the belts. Old man. There you are. No, you're all right. I had to check if Morton Downey Jr. was Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. Well, Ro- Robert, think... da- Robert Downey Jr.'s dad would be Robert Downey Sr., surely. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. All right, uh, first cousin twice removed. I, I'd expect he's, I expect he's Morton Downey Sr.'s son. <laughs> Good point. Anyway, shut up now. Um, so, men on a mission and their entrance with Oscar rapping in inverted commas is exactly what was needed at this point i think i think the crowd needed a little bump it was either that or they were going to go and do some little cocaine in the toilets and there were a lot of families there so we didn't want that going on so let's get men on a mission out <laughs> um the match the match is all right actually i thought this was so you've got mabel terrible mo worse quebecer jock all right jock Quebec- is, he from, is he from scotland <laughs> <laughs> You've got a week of back on Jock <laughs> and his brother Pierre. And, um, they're right. They're like passable. Quebec or Jock. That was French Scottish. Jock. <laughs> it turns out I can't say it. How about that? That's Jacques. something I've learned. Hang on. Quebec or J- Jacquez. Quebec or Jacquez. I genuinely, when I used to read it, I used to think it was Jacquez. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Yeah, this is I. Don't get me wrong, this isn't. This wouldn't have, in the worst WWF years, even been a contender for match of the year. But this was all right. This is a bit of fun, wasn't it? It was a bit of fun. And what what move is it Mabel does, Tinky? Oh, the old spinning arse kick. Yeah, this is full on <laughs> nothing but ass oh, as yeah. well in this. I quite enjoyed this. I'll Fair be enough. honest, I think, yeah, I think it was a change of pace. And I also knew that I was then going to get into the three bigger matches as well. So I was like, cool, after this is done, we've had a little like little bit of fun. And then we're going to get into the more serious stuff now. And we can stop messing around. Matt? Do you know, probably the word that this brings to mind is just unremarkable. Because I watched this not too long ago this afternoon and I can't even remember it. Like, I've got notes written down and I can't even really remember it. Just, it, there was a move, 
There was another one. There, there was a spinning ass kick. There was another yeah. move. Yeah, it, it, was, it was just nothing to it. And the only thing that really sort of sprung to mind afterwards, if, if anybody, uh, if anybody know your video game characters, is how much that Mabel reminded me of Wario. <laughs> and that's all I can think about for the rest of the match. So that kind of killed it for me. But yeah, just unremarkable. I think this was quite good. Uh, and I've not thought that before about this match. But I actually thought it was quite good on this viewing. I mean, obviously, there's a spinning arse kick. So, I mean, what more could you want in a match, quite frankly? They do their cannibal move, which is where Jack throws Pierre down onto um, to Mabel. But also, Jack does a back body drop on Pierre out of the ring onto Mabel as well. Like it, And it looks fun- phenomenal. I'm a big fan of the Quebecers. I think they're a great little tag team. Pierre in particular, who is still wrestling, old PCO, still doing his stuff on the, uh, on the independent scene. Great little wrestler. Don't know why he was bombed off by WWF. We'll never really understand. I um, mean, did they did come back in '98 as a tag team for a bit as well, but they weren't they weren't quite so good then. But their match with the Hearts at Royal Rumble '94, fucking blinding match. And their matches with the Steiners the previous year was also blinding. They're a decent tag team. I, uh, this was decent. I thought this was perfectly decent, mm. and uh, it was pretty action packed as well. Bit of a disappointment about the end though. That it was a DQ finish. Didn't need that. Could have easily mm. pinned one of these teams. No problem. Yeah. Um, obviously, Quebec Pierre got released after he stole Bret Hart's jacket, didn't he? Ah, uh, well, that that's, yeah. that's why. Yeah. <laughs> so WrestleMania moment six is next, which is the no one is unbeatable bit. I'm, I meant to mention actually, after we get the men on a mission come out, there is a bit before Quebecers come out, which is Todd Pett- Pettengill backstage interviewing Ronda Shear, but Heartbreak Kid coming in and interrupting and saying, you know, suggesting that they could get together. But then Burt Reynolds turns up and uh, basically cock blocks Shawn Michaels and yes. um, pretty much seems to have the affection of Ronda Shear more than HBK anyway. Ronda would like to go to FanFest mm. after Burt Reynolds mentions it. Then Burt Reynolds says, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. And she swoons. Yeah, and it's like, FanFest, she's just said. Well, also FanFest has ended, so that's not that Yeah. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was the next note I had. And I was like, I made notes for that tag match. And I was like, where have they gone? <laughs> uh, just below that. Because I wrote down about the uh, Incredible Mounties music, which we only get about yes. six, seven seconds of. Yeah, that's wrong. That's I'm right. the Mounties. No, no, we're the Mounties, in fact. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. To the point where Vince even says, oh, so we've got the Mounties. Oh, no, they're not the Mounties. They're the Quebecers. Brilliant. Next up, we are about to hit the first of our world title matches. Lex Luger versus Yokozuna. Before the match, Fink introduces some guest celebrities. First of all, timekeeper Ronda Shear and ring announcer Donnie Wahlberg. I tell you what, Donnie Wahlberg has missed his calling because he's a fantastic ring announcer. Absolutely great ring announcer and then he announces is the special guest referee who is mr perfect big pop as he comes out in front of the crowd haven't seen him since the previous november i believe at this point and he comes out with a full zebra outfit on so he's got the referee <laughs> shirt and referee trousers what wonderful stuff and then we have yoko's universal ex but before i get to there oh man I don't know, you were very excited by me saying donnie Wahlberg was a great announcer I'm so glad you mentioned it. He was fantastic, wasn't he? Yeah, he was brilliant. He was re- he gets tremendous heat yeah. when he comes out, but he wins him over. I think but his so. ring announcing, he's fucking brilliant. I couldn't believe how good he was. He was just a natural. Just a completely different style to anything you've ever seen. I was like, yeah. how how did they not use this as a template? This is brilliant. Yeah, and he's got a New York accent. So it's just, like you said, it just added 
different. He's got a different cadence. Yeah. He chucks in the odd. He does a bit of Michael Buffering, where he adds in a little bit of like the amazing, the incredible stuff like that. Fantastic stuff. Donny yeah. Dubs. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. Don't think Matt noticed it. No, to be honest. I mean, who was um who was Rhonda as well? She actress or something? Matt, she's the host of Up All Night. Come on. Oh yeah. well, I mean, the, the only thing, and and this is the this is the Welshman in me now. The, the only thing that slightly irritated me with her, and it's not her own fault by all means, but the way she spells her names is with two R's, which I've seen people say the name Rhonda with two R's. It's not allowed. I'm from Wales. There is a place called the Rhonda. If it's two R's, it's Rhonda. It's not Rhonda. No. So when when I see that, I'm like. It's not acceptable. So the amount of people I've had a go at on Twitter for spelling Ronda Rousey's name with two R's, stop it. That's the Ronda. It is a borough in South Wales. Far be it from me to, to suggest you're wrong. But isn't it the two D's that make it Ronda? To be honest, it's, it's the two the two R's anyway. I immediately think Ronda. So I'm like, okay. no, not acceptable. I didn't even notice that there were two R's in her name, to be honest. And I've watched this 25 times. Oh, so. is, it, is there R-H? Yeah, R H O N D A. In the which is the which is, which is Rhonda Civic. Is in the actual place name now or the person's name? No, the person. Sounds like the whole rant you've just been on, Matt, was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? That that's the only thing that sprung to mind when I saw her name. So right. that's all I've got. You know got. what? I like a bit of passion. Matt, am I saying that right? <laughs> especially especially misplaced passion oh man likes that the best yeah <laughs> there's there's nothing better than when you're when you've been proven wrong for you to stick your fingers up and say fuck off i'm fuck still right. right commit <laughs> commit to be a shit <laughs> so this wwf title match is a match that goes for just under 15 minutes it ends when after luger hits his uh, running elbow or uh, running forearm, I should say, uh, into Yokozuna. He then goes for the pin, but Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji have come into the ring. So he punches them down, hits them out, goes for the pin. Mr. Perfect doesn't count the four. He's trying to get Mr. Fuji out. He's trying to get Jim Cornette out of the ring. Luger kind of grabs him and says, look, what are you doing? I need you to pip, uh, you know, count the pin for perfect motions to his arm as if to say, you know, what are you touching me for? What are you, what's wrong with you? And then walks over to the timekeeper and tells him to ring the bell disqualifying Lex Luger in the process and uh, then walks out uh, as Lex Luger puts his hands in his head as he realizes that his dream of becoming WWF champion will never come true Matt what did you think of this one I'm going to be interested to hear what you guys thought of it but I can definitely tell you that this absolutely sucked this was no good at all and I was thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed. When we talked about, you know, Sting versus Lex Luger from Super Bowl, I was thinking, God, Lex Luger's great. And I was expecting <laughs> something at least resembling half decent, yeah? And it was just so slow. I can only assume that Yokozuna was trying to preserve his energy for later, and he was trying to keep half the gas in the tank. I can't even remember what type of submission it was he was going for. It was it was like he was just choking him on the mat or something. The which, old, uh, the, you love the old nerve hold then, Matt. There, there we go. That was, oh, my God. <laughs> like He was in that damn thing on two separate occasions for what felt like an hour each time. I mean, oh, it, was, it was so bad. And, you know, then the finish of, oh, no, the, the, this was such a low point of the show for me. Big thumbs down. 
that just as an aside that nerve hold so when i must we must have been about 13 or 14 and we went round to me and tom went round to one of our friends house joe and also spicer we may have we may have mentioned Spicer before on the podcast, I would imagine. And we had a wrestling tournament in Joe's house. And there were two semifinals. And I faced Spicer in the sem- for, well, my semifinal. And Tom faced Joe. Joe beat Tom quite simply, as I remember. Mine and Spicer's went, match went on for so long that they got fed up. And basically, the minute they found a way to end the match, they did. And Spicer won. So basically it was down to Spicer and Joe in the final and Spicer applied this nerve hold to Joe in the, in the rest. These were real wrestling matches as well. They weren't kind of worked. They were actual wrestling matches. So he put the, put this claw hold and he'd been doing it to me. And I'll tell you what, it feels fucking weird. If someone does it, it feels so weird, but he kept doing it to me. But anyway, he did it to Joe and Joe tapped out or submitted or something and Spicer had won. And then Joe got up and said, get out of my house, get out of my house. And I just <laughs> threw him out of his house. He was so angry with him for doing this this nerve hold and he's, he claimed that he was digging into his neck but he as i said spicer had been doing it to me in the first match and it just felt weird so yeah i've got some experience with the nerve hold anyway sorry old man your thoughts on the match <laughs> so we'll start off with the most important thing uh there's someone holding a lex loser sign in the crowd <laughs> which give me a little a little titter now this match starts off at a cracking pace and i know they're not going to maintain it yokozuna's died is 500 and 65 pounds or 68 pounds i think big boy yeah and then the um the nerve holds come in there's four of them (laughs) so i I kept a count but what you get is you've got that the crowd incredible effort stick with it sticking with it they're trying to get luger going they're trying to get him up and then they kind of kick the pace into gear when they're kind of going to what we obviously learn is the finish and i think that the bookends of the match really very good and really enjoyable the i think it's probably about six minutes where they're basically sat down like in the middle in total is kind of troublesome but i still quite enjoyed this i gotta be honest and i loved the finish i absolutely love the finish because it's just crap but it's what you've got is you've got mr perfect gets a heck of an ovation when he comes out but what he's not done is he's not turned heel he's not screwed luger out of the title he's obeying to the rules He's doing what any good heel should do. He's obeying the rules to the word when it fits what they want to do. And then when like uh, Luger just literally pats him effectively on the chest, he's like, oh, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. <laughs> and he rings the bell. It's beautiful. And then he leaves the ring straight away. It's brilliant because I don't know, but I'm guessing this sets something up with Luger and perfect. It's just really well done and a really good way of doing it without, say, you've got Yokozuna gets knocked out, in inverted commas, by Lex Luger's dirty still forearm. And Luger's not had to take the pin. And let's be honest, Luger's taken enough share at this point. They've made it patently clear he's not the guy, like painfully so. But there's an easy way of burying him here, I think, and they don't do it when he probably, probably deserved it, really. They can't afford to, old man. They've got, you've seen no, this roster, true. right? You've seen the roster. Yeah. They can't afford to do it. My view is that this is the worst match on the show, in my opinion. Really? This, yeah, I think this is not very good at all. I'm glad that Matt's seen the true colours of Lex Luger, finally, because this <laughs> is much more what I'm used to of Lex Luger. Slow, plodding. Although, in fairness to him, at one point in this match, there's a flying crossbody. 
I've never mm-hmm. seen him do that, but he does do that at one point early on in the match. But as you said, as soon as Yoko takes control and plays the nerve holds, it gets very, very dull very, very quickly. I did enjoy Mr. Perfect's contributions, but the end of the match is cheap. It isn't very good. And the fans let them know that by chanting bullshit. And that end of the match is made worse by the fact that there isn't anything between Luger and Perfect afterwards. Uh... So there was plan in fairness to them, they had planned to do something between them that basically was going to set up from the previous year's WrestleMania where Luger had legally won over Perfect in a match with the between the two. So the idea was going to be that Mr. Perfect was kind of getting his revenge on Luger for that victory that Luger had got the previous year. And then they would go in some program that would presumably run into either King of the Ring or SummerSlam for that year. But then Perfect had a recurrence of his back injury and they decided to not to not do anything. And Perfect didn't wrestle at all for the company. Uh, I don't think until he came back in 2002. So it was quite some time later that he would return to the ring for WWF. So altogether, bit of a waste this. And I'm tempted to think that they were planning to have Luger versus Kurt Hennig as the main event of King of the Ring because instead they have Jerry Lawler versus Roddy Piper as the main event of that show, which is, uh, yeah, that's the face that I would be pulling as well, old man. Uh, oh, about bloody that. heck. Yeah. That, that uh, is a tough wank, isn't it? <laughs> certainly is. Certainly is. So backstage, Todd Pettengill tries to get an explanation from Mr. Perfect. Then Luger confronts him and officials have to stop them from coming to blows. So an exciting little thing I noticed here. Like young Tony Chimmel <laughs> was in this bit. I was like, hello. And then I just assumed that, t- that you would have just fallen asleep thinking. Well, I didn't see him, in fairness. If I had done, I would have done, but I didn't see him, so save me. Then we get Vince and Jerry at the commentary uh, position. They're arguing about the decision of the last match. Then we get WrestleMania 7 moment, which is the blindfold match. Another match they never did again, much like the Force Count Anywhere Mm. style match they did here. So maybe not a great WrestleMania moment. And then we get the best bit of the show, where Harvey Whippleman is introduced by Howard Finkel as they continued their ongoing feud between the ring announcer and the... I guess third third level manager of the WWF Whippleman. Whippleman has a go at Fink and calls him all kinds of stuff. And he says he's got a banana nose at one point. <laughs> I don't really know what that's about. He then rips his suit, which means Fink then pushes him down. This brings out old man's favorite wrestler in the world ever, Adam Bomb. He yes. goes to attack Fink, but before he can do anything to him, Earthquake arrives and we have our next match, Adam Bomb versus Earthquake, uh, a 35 second epic where basically Adam Bomb gets power slammed by Earthquake and then Earthquake finishes him off with the finishing maneuver that I still don't know the name of. I don't actually know what it's called. I don't know if anyone's ever resolved this. The bum shake. The bum drop tremor shake earthquake thing oh that's nice i like it this was a little uh a little flavor of ecw here with what it wasn't an impromptu match but kind of felt like one because of the fact yeah. that it led on from an angle yeah it's sad really let's be honest they were they were struggling for time here weren't they yeah well because obviously uh, we find out after that a 10 person tag match is gone as well thank fuck yeah even some of the people that were chatting <laughs> so i looked up harvey whippleman anyways he was um in the car when joey Merler passed away no i didn't know he, that no he was the passenger mm. yeah which is very sad okay um any thoughts on the 35 seconds here old man or did you want to just uh, uh ignore I, ignore it because of the way adam bomb was treated it's really tough because i like earthquake 
But I don't really like the treatment of Adam Bomb. Adam Bomb has to lie there for quite a long time after a, after a power slam. <laughs> and I'm a little bit like, oh, come on. And you can clearly see them chatting as well, where he, Earthquake's obviously like, he must have been explaining what movie he's going to do to him. Maybe he was explaining, look, because maybe Adam Bomb didn't know. Maybe they were throwing them out there going, look, we've got to yeah, get this done maybe. really quickly. So Earthquake's now relaying the message to mm. Adam Bomb. It's like, mate, I'm sorry, but I've got to squash it in 35 yeah. seconds. Don't get me wrong. This is not the best use of Adam Bomb or Earthquake talents but it does give us time for what comes next indeed yeah what what comes next of course is uh todd pettengill again backstage with yokozuna jim Cornette, and mr fuji but before we go to that matt what do you got any thoughts on this i must have missed this because I, I must have thought it was a segment <laughs> <laughs> i literally was just thinking i don't remember this happening no i must have missed <laughs> totally missed this yeah this is uh match number seven of the pay-per-view portion of the show but it's 35 seconds you missed it doesn't sound like a mismatch <laughs> you missed nothing so backstage top and girls with yokozuna jim Cornette, and mr fuji and uh, jim Cornette cuts a promo telling Todd that Mr. Perfect was the perfect official. He reminds Luger that the officials were agreed upon by both parties. He then says that Brett is going to have to try and keep his body in one piece when he faces Yokozuna later. He says that they noticed his knee injury and that Brett's career may be over at the end of the show. This was another great Jim Cornette promo. Another one where he's just talking at about 100 mile per hour and he's just perfectly articulate, articulate exactly what he wants to say. Wonderful stuff. Phenomenal, isn't it? Mm. It's just like, what just thinking like fuck you now man <laughs> jesus christ like how can you be such a cunt but be <laughs> so good at this thing which is making up bollocks on the fly and then i realized i put two and two together <laughs> so that, that's why he's a cunt as well but yeah, yeah. it's extraordinary yeah. and also um mr fuji's in the background first of all initially very serious yeah. very serious and then he just slowly gets this little grin on his face he's like mm. yeah, he's got a lovely broad <laughs> grin by the end in the back yeah. smiling brilliant <laughs> did you see this promo matt i didn't see this promo no i must have skipped this as well oh mate you, you're missing the good shit well, i'm missing some uh, the shit. last match this <laughs> <laughs> The okay. WrestleMania moment for WrestleMania 8 is, as you said, the appearance of The Undertaker. That's all that Gorilla Monsoon deigns to say during this particular one. Then we get the ladder match between Razor and Sean, which we've spoken at our length. Then we get backstage the heel team for the 10-man tag match that's scheduled are discussing who should be the captain of the team. I think it's Jeff Jarrett, the Head Shrinkers, IRS, and Diesel, maybe? Can't remember who no. the other one is. Who's um, the other one? Martel. Rick Martel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They boy. Can- they can't decide who's captain. And then when, so then when we come back to Vince he and Jerry Lawler, Vince says, well, it looks like we're not going to have a 10-man tag match because they can't decide who's captain. And that's that. That's that put to bed. What a way of canceling <laughs> the match. <laughs> it also meant we missed out on one, two, three, kid. So, you know. You know what, though? I kind of respect that they didn't squeeze it in mm. because it's almost worse if they'd have done that because someone would have had to have got completely buried don't get wrong if it had been jeff jarrett we'd have been all right with it <laughs> but yeah it's just i i didn't didn't mind this and we obviously got the classic stuff that comes next yeah with all with old bill clinton well i wonder who has made this decision as well because vince is out there commentating so presumably mm. it's gorilla making all these yeah. decisions although he's out in front of the, the cameras as well i think doing radio wwf with someone mm. so i don't i don't know who's making it maybe bruce pritchard i don't know who's making the decision yeah. whoever is doing this they're having to think right fuck i've got to think quickly here i've chucked earthquake and Alan bomb out for their 35 seconds yeah. i've got to cancel the 10-man tag pretty quickly i mean unless they had some pre-planned you know plan b if things did go over time i don't know but I think it did show a degree of skill to think, right, we need to cancel the 10-man tag. It's just yeah. not the time. It's not got the time for it. 
So, yes, Todd Pett and Pettengill is back with Bill Clinton. This time, DiBiase, Ted DiBiase is with him. And DiBiase says that he's sure he'll agree that everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. That's pretty much it. Bill Clinton says, I don't want to talk politics right now. And that's the end of this. <laughs> segment. Fucking brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. But it is worth saying it's, it's not it's not the Bill Clinton, as I thought when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Shame. Then we get the WrestleMania 9 moment, the world's largest toga party is the main thing that they talk about there. And we then have the video montage that leads to the Brett and Yokozuna main event. Now, this is interesting because I got a feeling that the music for the Brett half of this. So basically, there's a Brett half and a Yoko half of this video montage. Now, I've got a feeling that the music for the Brett half of it is is edited. It's been dubbed on top. But the music that existed on the VHS version of this was just just Bret Hart's entrance theme. So there's absolutely no need for them to have edited over that. So I'm assuming there was actually another piece of music that was originally part of this mm. video package. I don't know what it is. I meant to look it up on YouTube before we started recording, but forgot. But I will be interested to see what that is because it must be something else because, as I said, the original, the music I saw on the VHS version was always Bret Hart's entrance theme. Do you reckon it was audio of Tommy tugging off over Bret Hart? That's very possible. Bit annoyed at this video, this Bret Hart bit. Okay. Because well, we've already had Adam Bomb being mugged off <laughs> by having his match shorn. He was the last person tapping out to the sharpshooter <laughs> in this video. It's Adam Bomb. Poor Adam Bomb. Is that yeah, well, well, he's just trying to carve himself into the Mount Rushmore, isn't he? Certainly is. So. We come to the main event. It's Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, the second WWF Championship match. Guest celebrities are announced as timekeeper Jenny Garth from Beverly Hills 90210. Is that right? I believe. Yeah. So she's announced as Kelly from Beverly Hills 90210, Miss Jenny Garth. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And special guest ring announcer, big celebrity for the night, Burt Reynolds. So Burt Reynolds, is he the sexiest man to wear a cast on his right arm since Cowboy Bob Orton? <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I can I can tell you everybody who's worn a cast since that time. So I, I were the people you definitely know, both of you, including <laughs> you as well, Matt, staying quiet over there. The two are uh, the people that you know to have worn a cast on their right arm in this period or just before. Is he the sexiest? To be fair, granted it was in a film, but The Rock wore a cast in the Fast and Furious film, so hmm. yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't between Bob Orton and Burt Reynolds. In fairness, that would have been after no. Burt Reynolds. I, I, I honestly can't remember anybody else who has so you know it probably has to be you're probably right Burt Reynolds so my mum is not um she doesn't talk in a crude way or anything but she once referred to Burt Reynolds as Spurt Reynolds in front of me because he's obviously a famous Lothario and I was like oh and I was just the age where I knew what that meant as well I was like oh I think he'd just been in Boogie Nights oh cracking film nice it's interesting that you should say that your mother doesn't have a potty mouth, old man, because given the way that she reacted to the beating that Hulk Hogan took from King Kong Bundy the other week, that it doesn't suggest that you're telling the truth there. Well, in fairness, that was quite a traumatic thing to watch with your True. three-year-old son. <laughs> so I think he's, it justified he's, he's the reaction. He fucking killed him! Oh, <laughs> what can he fucking kill him? Did you see that? <laughs> brilliant oh it's still the funniest thing i've ever seen um so yes burt reynolds is the ring announcer he is not as expert as old donnie Wahlberg, unfortunately indeed he even moves his mouth away from the microphone at one point whilst he's still talking he then announces the special guest referee for the main event old rowdy roddy piper another humongous pop for a special guest referee here as piper comes out and yeah he's the uh referee for this one we know i'm not a piper fan 
The pop is incredible. And I must say that when he walks out, the charisma is fucking dripping from him. Like he is just walked in and every fucking eye is on that guy. Now, I know he'd been making some films. That's where he'd obviously been away. So he was obviously uh, quite well-rounded as a performer. But my God. Is mm. something to behold, I must say. It yeah. was like, it was Hogan-esque watching him walk out and just have every single eye on him and just the confidence. So, what well am well Roddy. I'll tell you what, there's not many people I've seen do this, but it really reminded me of when the first time I really started to think AJ Styles was very, very special. So I mm. was never a huge fan of AJ Styles and TNA. Don't get me wrong, he had all the quality in the ring, but I just felt like he was lacking something, just generally about the way he carried himself but there was I think one of the early WWF appearances he had in like 2016 2017 maybe and he walked out to the ring in a very similar way almost nonchalantly but taking it all in at the same time when people were like popping for him and I just went wow he's got it he knows he's got it finally he's not just a great wrestler anymore he's also got just looks like a star he's handling himself like a star and that's what Roddy Piper is like here he walks out and it's saunters basically saunters mm. out doesn't make any gesture with his hands he's just looking around but he feels like a star and he handles himself he holds his head in a way it's hard to explain is there's an x factor to it. it's very very difficult to pull off but he does it here wonderfully and he was in shape as well mm. like you know even with his shirt on i was like good god he looks like he's in really good shape he's in um they live which got a shout out when we were talking about wrestlers in films and he is in unbelievable shape in that film like uh he's in great shape in uh wrestlemania 7 i think it is where he's in really good shape and i think it might be just after that mm. he does it but yeah it's like i don't know whether he'd cut obviously he had some substance and alcohol abuse issues i don't know whether he'd cut that from his life or what but Maybe a bit sad as well. Got to be honest, seeing him come out. Because, like I said, I've never been the biggest fan. But I was like, no, he's dead, isn't he? Well, I think this was, for me, again, like one of the first shows I watched. So Roddy Piper felt like a big deal because this is where I'd seen him from. And I was like, well, you know, mm. he's a massive star. Listen to that pop when he comes out. It's massive. This is Madison Square Garden again. You know, it's the other thing. Yeah. It's, you know, home base of WWF. Of course, they're fucking delighted to see Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's, he's Roddy, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just, it's just, it's, he's massive. It's a, it's a massive moment for me yeah the time match itself it goes for 10 and a half minutes and basically what happens is yoko goes up to do a bonsai drop on brett hart but he loses his balance falls backward brett manages to get himself out of the way and then crawls over and pins yoko to get the victory uh we have a new champion old man thoughts on the match it's not the best finish is it but i was also thinking how do you do it because Yokozuna is significantly larger than he was at WrestleMania 9. So I'd imagine putting the sharpshooter on him would be near on impossible. And Bret Hart doesn't have an impact finisher. Not really, no. So, no. And also you've got, and they don't, I don't believe that they lean on this, the commentators. But he's obviously, in the kayfabe world, Yokozuna has been knocked out in his previous match. Mm. So he might get a bit lightheaded, but reckless of him to be out there, to be honest. <laughs> might, might have a concussion, he should take a little 10-day rest. But up to that point, I think this is as good as it could be, I think. And they, Yokozuna in particular, 
because he's clearly struggling. He works his fucking socks off for Bret Hart, I think. And they just, they put together a nice little match that does not stay its welcome because we know what we want. We know what we want. We want the moment at the end. Like I said, this is Bret Hart's show. Well, it's his Anowin show with obviously what happens after this. But I think this is all right because of what we get at the end. I think if we didn't get that at the end, like this isn't a million miles away from their match at WrestleMania 9, in truth, in terms of quality. But you obviously don't get Hogan, fucking Roger and Bret Hart senseless at the end. So you get the nice ending. Although that would have been nice for maybe both of them if they were consenting. But no, not bad. Not, not as a match, but <laughs> yeah, as a moment. So Matthew. I think that's that's probably the best way to describe it there, old man. It, it is not bad as a as a match, or you know, in terms of as a moment, as, as a match. Uh, I, I think the word unremarkable kind of springs to mind again. That there was there was just there was nothing really to it. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It, it was there. I mean, as a main event, I personally expect more and, and would have liked more from it. The finish, uh, no, no, again, not not for me. It kind of you know, it, it's almost like you know, he slipped on a banana peel and oh look, he happened to roll him up and catch a finish. Way hey, lucky him. So I, I can't say I thought the finish was particularly special either. But you know what? Above all else, the crowd were happy. That's what they wanted. They were thoroughly behind bread. They wanted that result. They got it. That, that, that's you know what the main event of a show is supposed to be all about. Is sending the people home happy. And you know what? That's what they got. So I, I, I can't say the match was to my taste, but at least the right man won. I think the match is, is okay. It's passable, but it isn't great. And I agree with the I agree with the criticism of the end. I don't like the the finish. I think that there's a there must be a something else they can do here. Even if it's somehow play up the concussion that Yoko's you know had, had suffered maybe against Luger because he gets knocked out. Maybe they could have played that up a bit more. I had him looking dizzy at other points in the match and then kind of done that, or just gone with a different finish because this finish is just a little bit you know whatever. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, because you've already had the amazing Owen Brett match, you've already had the amazing Razor Shawn Michaels match. No one's going to be complaining about being shortchanged on match quality in this show. On top of that, you've already had a Yokozuna match, which has lasted nearly 15 minutes. The guy wrestles for over 25 minutes on this show, and he is massive. Brock Lesnar doesn't do this much work in a, in a year. So, um, you know, in fairness to him, he's, he's done his bit here. And the, go back and watch the pop at the moment Brett gets the pin. It is thunderous, the pop. It is massive. They go wild for that victory. And I think they just do have done, you know, regardless of the limitations of the company at the time in terms of their in terms of their roster, they have done a cracking job in making Yokozuna seem to be just unbeatable. And not to say that he's being shown as being dominant, but he just keeps holding on to the title. He's managed to hold on to the title against Lex at SummerSlam, even though he got counted out. He's managed to hold on to the title against The Undertaker at the Royal Rumble, even though it took him 10 people to help him do it. They've had him overcome Lex Luger, or at least, again, have Lex Luger kind of screwed out of the title in his previous match. So they just had this kind of thing where you've just constantly been like, God, is he ever going to lose this belt? Because he just keeps getting out of it. And then they deliver it here. And so I don't think it matters. I don't think the match quality actually matters that much. I just think this is, it's fine. It's not bad match, but it's not a world-class main event match of a WrestleMania, but it doesn't matter. We get the result we want, and it's all good. And then we get the aftermatch. So first of all, Yokozuna chases Roddy Piper off. Then 
Luger gets in the ring and teases a little confrontation with Brett, but shakes his hand. And then the ring fills up with the baby faces to celebrate with Brett Hart, which includes uh, the returning Roddy Piper, includes Razor Ramon. I think one, two, three, getting Bob Polly, who are due to be part of that 10 man tag, get their moment out in front of the crowd. Finally, we have Randy Savage come out. We have uh, obviously uh, Burt Reynolds, Donnie Wahlberg, Ronda Shear, uh, Jenny Garth and Vince McMahon and Gorilla Monsoon all get in the ring and celebrate with Brett as the fans are going mad and then Owen appears in the aisle to look at the celebrations but not to join in angry that he's beaten his brother Brett but now Brett is kind of overshadowing him once more by winning the world title the same night as he manages to beat him and the show ends thoughts on this kind of celebratory moment and the Owen stuff I missed it (laughs) (laughs) I totally missed it the second that the bell went I was like oh good I'm done That's a, that's a shame because honestly, as a as a child when I first watched this, and every you know, and lots of time after that, it's one of my favourite bits, the after batch stuff. Yeah. I think also part of it, in my view anyway, we'll get to the Owen bit, but the celebration bit, it really feels genuine. There are like when Savage jumps in the ring and like gives him a massive hug, he's properly giving him a really aggressive like, yes, you bloody did it, mate, you fucking did it. Piper is another one that feels like he's genuinely really made up for Brett. Gorilla Monsoon feels like he's really genuinely made up for Brett. Even Vince, in fairness, yeah. does seem to be really made up for Brett in this in this moment. Because there's that bit where Vince is saying, oh, you know, Burt Reynolds has now got in the ring and Roddy Piper's in the ring. And he goes, and I'm going to join them too. And he kind of puts down his headset and gets in the ring with them. It's just Jerry Lord is not talking at all during this bit either. So they've got rid of the heel completely. This is a pure celebratory moment. I just think it's done really, really well to get over the significance of Brett's victory to sort of position him as the leader of the the company as we go forward the lead baby face the main star of the of the promotion so i just that bit has always been a big part of this for me that particular moment i'm literally watching it right now (laughs) it's just wonderfully done because like you said it feels so genuine and like brett says in his book he's really close with piper and that really comes across in the hagen macho man he ain't doing no half-assed hug, is he? <laughs> right, if, if he wants to hug you, he's going to fucking hug you. And the bit with Owen is everything. It's how they put it together. Obviously, we're not watching it from the crowd's point of view. So he walks out. You don't see him walk out. The camera comes behind him. So he's looking and Brett's held aloft and he's looking away from where Owen's come out. Savage opens the ropes. Just get Owen in. Come on, lad. Come on, lad. Come on in. Come and celebrate with your bro. And then Brett does the little turn and the double take, and then he looks at him. That's just beautiful. And that was that was the bit that got me. But it's because of everything that's gone on with Bret Hart having to retire early. Obviously, the things that he's been through with WWE in terms of what would happen three and a half years later with the Montreal screw job, him getting cancer, having a stroke, Owen obviously dying in a wrestling ring just really like got me i was like this is beautiful and then you've got savage in the ring who's passed away gorilla monsoon's passed away uh who else was it i had i had a little list and i don't know where Piper. i put him Piper's, Piper's passed away yokozuna mr fuji mm. have passed away and then there's other people on this card like mr perfect passed away earthquakes passed away uh luca almost did and Big stuff like, I just, yeah Bigelow, and yeah and Luna, and it's just like, oh, it's really... Don't mean to keep going, Ma- Mabel as well has passed away. Yeah, and we had this, um, oh, it must have been one of the Rumble shows, 
Yeah. Yeah, where Tommy ran off a list of names and there was like, I think it was about 17 people that had passed away. And it's just one of those where I think this is such a seminal moment in like WWF history that it just really hit home how many people aren't here anymore. Many because of the business. Yeah, that was quite emotional there then. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's funny actually because you know Tom said he 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 had to leave because he probably would get emotional at this point in the show. I was getting emotional when we were first talking about Owen and Brett because as I said for me that's such a big deal. But I was feeling like quite high on just everyone kind of just you know, waxing mm. lyrical about that that amazing match. It and it does hold this does hold quite an important point for me this whole show because it was one of the first ones I watched. It was one of the ones I fell in love with and kind of watched many 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 times on VHS. You know as we saw with the Doink and Dink Bam Bam and Luna match it's hard for me to be completely unbiased here there's not a lot on it I don't like because it's just one of those shows one question I did have before we get to overall thoughts was the potential path not gone down which might have been either Lex Luger winning the title overall or at the very least Brett and Lex being the main event of this show because that could very well have happened obviously if they'd have chosen to go with Lex Luger winning what do we think of the decision not to do that and what do we think of, might have been the case had they done it? In terms of the Brett versus Lex, it would have been a very different dynamic. But I think it would have been so pro-Brett that I don't think they could have gone down that route. Because I think they would have they would have had, I don't know, because they would have had to have turned Luger, I think. He would have had to have turned Hill. They would have had mm. to have gone down that route. And that would have probably worked. Given his limitations and given the fact, don't get me wrong, like he gets a heck of a reaction when he's wrestling Luger. People are still obviously quite invested in him, which I think would have made a turn that much better. But I think what we get is you've got Brett, who forgot to mention this, still selling his leg when he comes down he to is, the ring. Yeah. When Andrew he does the match. End, yeah. And you've got him going up against this behemoth. It's like Leviathan of a man that is absolutely enormous. And he's got to beat him. That's what stands behind. And we saw last year what can happen. He can beat him because there's a guy on the outside that's going to try and screw him out of the match. And then you've got the whole thing with Piper. Like you couldn't have Piper in there if it was Bret Hart and Lex Luger because it just wouldn't have worked. I don't think having Piper there was never going to draw the the warmth away from Bret Hart. But I think it would have with Lex Luger. I think people would rather have seen Piper than Luger. And going forward, like if they'd put the title on Luger, you would have buried Brett, I think. And they wouldn't have buried him like in a match sense, but I think you would have killed him as a main event talent, like level talent, because it would say, we don't believe in you. Like That's why it would have said, we believe in this guy that we haven't put the title on when we've had a long time to be able to do it. And I think it might have almost killed the company as well. Because as we've said, they're not in the best shape here because of the talent of Brett and Owen Hart they manage and Yokozuna to give him his due and also Luger despite what I think of him as a worker he got himself to this position and kind of carried the company as as a face for quite a while without this night and it being so perfect it would be very interesting to see where the company was now because I think they just get it it's so perfect the bookends of this show and you've obviously got Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon Matt rightly points out Razor Ramon deserves credit for the match that he has but Shawn Michaels comes out of it a million bucks completely and someone you can instantly see going there you go you can go out to the main event lad 
what I think is a perfect moment at the end of the show, and I think they've built it perfectly so that Brett and Owen can take their feud forward. In terms of business, wasn't a great time for the business anyway in WWF. I don't think this changed anything, like as good as it might have been. I don't think it really changed much. So I'm not sure it was that significant business-wise. In terms of if Lex Luger had won, maybe it wouldn't have been that significant. I don't know. But I think in terms of my opinion on whether Lex should have gone on to face Brett is that no, mainly just because I think it would have slightly split the crowd. Not 50-50 by any means. Lex was demonstrably not as popular as Bret Hart. But even 70-30, and it's not the same moment. It's just not the same. So it had to be a heel who faced Luger. As you said, the only way they could have done Luger was for him to turn heel. And I just don't see the opportunity to do that when he's facing foreign bad guy Yokozuna. Like, it just doesn't doesn't seem like there's the opportunity. Matt, what did you think? In, in terms of sort of match quality in particular, I mean, I, I would have much rather have gone, you know, sort of Brett and Lex. And like, you know, you, you say that you don't think that the dynamic would have worked, you know, potentially, you know, face in face. But I mean, I, I kind of think back to, you know, sort of Hogan Warrior. And like, I don't remember that that well, don't get me wrong, but I, I kind of remember that working. So I, I kind of think that sort of vibe potentially. Yeah, it's not the dynamic. That, it's not to say that the dynamic wouldn't work. It would have worked. It just wouldn't have led to the moment. Okay. That's the point I'm making is that it wouldn't have led to the huge pop when Brett wins the title as he does here against Yoko. And then the emotional moment after the match, I okay. think it would have been harder to do that. Not to say that it wouldn't have been a better match, but I just think the moment and the getting Brett over as your lead babyface would have been harder to do had he beat another babyface to do it. Okay. Let's talk about overall thoughts, scores out of 10. I don't think anyone's given their MVP. I'll tell you mine straight away is Brett Hart because this is his night. If ever there was a night to make Brett Hart the MVP, it's WrestleMania 10. So yeah, let's start with you, Matt. What's your kind of overall thoughts and your score out of 10 and your MVP of course um I completely agree with you in terms of the v, uh, the MVP I I think you'd be hard-pressed to, to not give it to Brett uh to, to be honest this I think if you were going to just you know to sum up the show to some of you hadn't seen it the Bret Hart show w- would be a good way to to certainly describe it in, in terms of the the sort of show overall for me personally it, it was a two-match show um it, it was the the opener and it was the ladder match. What I normally like to do, I'll, whenever you know we watch these shows, I'll, I'll come up with my opinion. And then I'm always interested just to get the general opinion of what the show was afterwards. And my my number of the show, I'm going to give it a five out of ten. Now, the, the reason I'm going towards five is, like I said, for me, it was a two-match show. And when I looked up the general consensus on the show afterwards, I was actually quite surprised because a lot of the people I'd seen who rated it were in the eights and nines. And for me, I, I personally thought that was way off the mark. But like I said, I mean, the, the ladder match was fantastic. The opener was fantastic. So, so they certainly made the show what it was but like i said you know mvp red heart oh man so i'm gonna give my mvp to owen because i knew at least one of you was gonna go for it and i don't know how many chances i'll I'll get to give owen the mvp in the shows that we do the rate is really hard it's really (laughs) tough because you've got an 11 out of 10 match a 10 out of 10 match and then you've got probably a group of sixes and a couple of fives and maybe a four Probably lower, to be honest. I'm feeling, feeling generous. I'm gonna give this because I can't. I can't go any. It's got to be a seven. I can't go any lower than that. I'm tempted to go eight, but the other, the stuff around the other matches just isn't quite good enough. And I feel like I've screwed over some other cards if I give it an eight. But yeah, this is monumental in my eyes. This show. Vince says on commentary just before he takes his headset off, he says. There he is, the guy who's going to lead us into the next decade. 
And I think that that's hard to look past when I was watching wrestling at the time and kind of lived through it. And then you realise that they fucked him over three years later. I'm going to give this a seven as well. I think you're right, old man. I think you'd be hard pressed to go any higher because, and I agree with you, Matt, it's a two-match show. But what are two matches? And when you have those matches, I think this is a modern, again, I think this is a more modern kind of viewpoint that if the rest of the, if you've only got two good matches, then it can't be a really great show. I just don't agree. Put two matches of any of these quality on any show, regardless of the rest of it, these days you'd be like, it's amazing. It's amazing. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what the rest of the show is. And they're the two longest matches. Together, they amount to about 40 minutes of the show. And that's not including all the ring entries at ring entrances. It's not including any of the stuff around it. It's not including the celebration at the end with Brett and all that stuff. Those two matches just make it as good as it could possibly be. I agree you can't go too far with it because, put it this way, if this had the backup that the main event of say wrestlemania 17 had or the main event of you know wrestlemania 19 or 21 had be the best show ever because those two matches are just so good there isn't much else to scream about with the rest of the show i agree i totally agree even if i am willing to go a little bit further in my praise for one or two of the matches there's nothing particularly memorable or special about the rest of it but those two matches are just so good it's so hard to discount the quality so that brings us to the end of uh, an epic wrestlemania review so we'll leave it right there Old man, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. Remember this show, everybody. And if you haven't seen it, please have a little look. And whilst you're looking, just remember our good friend and yours, Ken Patera. Yeah, what happened to him? He was not on the show. Just don't, yeah. No, um, he was double booked. <laughs> I, I think he was doing a um a sexy little lingerie suit. Suit. <laughs> lingerie suit lingerie shoot and matt thank you for your contributions as well thank you thoroughly enjoyed this one this was quite the uh quite quite the insight into your minds i think gentlemen and thank you to our listeners as well we will be back again next week for a second part of our three-part wrestlemania special lineup but until then take care Sweet.